Oh boy, this is kind of a weird one today, Joe. So we're doing this is the pre-roll now. It's yeah, this is this is the now, true pre-roll. You said you had an idea for the pre-roll. Well, I I just want to people to know that in advance. Mm. That they might want to just hit delete right now of <laughs> well, the whole episode. No, it's just us talking. Yeah. This so here's how I think of this Much episode. Much more rambly than usual. Here's how I think of this episode. Not only is there no guest. There's no guest. There's, there's no really topic. no central topic. There's no topic. There's no paper. We're not very little talk about law. Towards the end we do get a little bit serious. Just a little. We talk about like social media and politics a yeah. little bit towards the end. Um the rest is is not. No, but this episode, I would say, is is a little bit like putting on your beach sandals. Mm. I'm not one who actually wears beach sandals around, but like it's informal. We're talking about like just what's on our mind. Yeah. Also, it's going to go – this is going to be live to tape. So yep. it's going to have all the sniffs in there. Okay. Uh, you know, no doctored audio. I normally don't edit for content, but I'm certainly not going to do it here. So there are mm. a couple pauses. There are a couple coughs. Like right. this is just – this we're letting it all hang out this so week. So what you're saying is a lot of sand in the toes. A lot of sand in the toes, maybe maybe some bellies overhanging the the uh, the beach trunks, right? We're just letting it all hang out. A lot of muffin tops. We're, just, <laughs> <laughs> we're letting it all hang out this week, and so this is not a typical oral argument episode where we talk about a specific legal issue. Not this season. Not there, there ever, it's there it's ever? August. It's summer. Yeah. It's this is just how it's going to be. So feel free to skip the episode or not. We should, uh, whereas normally we, we say, welcome you. normally we say you cannot skip the episode. Right. Yes. Normally we <laughs> you can must tell listen. <laughs> listening, but we're not doing that. This is not going to be one that anybody's going to assign to their class, for example, Ooh, no. or that a student will use in order to start a research paper. No. If will they're doing even, that, there's a problem. Have, this, you say? this episode will not have show notes. Will no, it? there are going to be no show notes either. Yeah. There's not, I mean. That's a sign. That's a manifestation of its ultimate rootlessness and anchorlessness <laughs> in fact you know i mean in space i may hit stop copy this segment to the beginning or cut and paste it into the beginning yep hit bounce upload it done this that's one, what i would encourage you to do i urge you, you to do that but but we just we just posted an episode. doesn't matter i urge you to do that oh boy really yeah despite all the all the sniffs all the stops like we're just gonna let it all hang out oh man <laughs> Uh, so anyway, as we say at the end of the episode, we will be back soon. We're probably going to take a, a week or two off as the semester gets started and, and we have various uh, we'll travel things to go. And then, then we'll come back. So um, thank you all for listening and, uh, well, on with, well, whatever the heck this is. Okay. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> you don't like Russian, so I'm trying to do something different. You're always trying to find a new way to start the show. It's like y- you are... For, I, th- I, I seem to remember that you wanted theme music originally. Very long time, years ago. And I, I finally talked you out of that, I think. Yeah. Or at least I, maybe I beat down your resistance to, the, to having a theme music. No, I came to see that it was, in, it was incorrect. For My our original show. preference was not appropriate. For our show. Correct. To be clear. This is not a diss on shows that all. have theme music. Depen- it's very show dependent. Yeah. And ours, it, that's, not, that's not what we do. No. But it's, it's like ever since you've had that that part of your heart that was yearning for music, yeah. like taken out or self-liberated, you've been looking for something to fill it. I'm always about a new beginning. I'm always <laughs> about a, a fresh beginning. It's, that's odd because it seems like you are after a consistent beginning. No, if I... If it's a fresh beginning, you want to start it differently every time. You want something to start the show because for a while it was like, hi, Christian, you remember that? I did do that for a little while. Yeah, every show for it seems like. For a little while. But it, I, well, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm de- I, I guess I'm destined to be restless 
about this like I am about most about things everything. forever. About everything. So so I'll keep trying different things, you know. Listeners, Joe is a walking transaction cost. He's, he's spend, spending, <laughs> spending off assets to the middle people in the economy. I think you, you, you don't – Whether it's houses or cars, you like – you're restless. You, you, you sell, don't have it you quite move. right. You don't have it quite right. Okay. Um, I'm a transaction cost sink, like a heat sink. Um, I, I'm 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 bringing them to myself. I'm sparing all the rest of you because <laughs> I'm doing more than my fair share. Should we turn this into a little therapy session? Maybe explore the reasons Should why we? you were, you mean, were so ha- restless. Have we? How long have you been listening? <laughs> you know, in the future, there will be some kind of algorithm. You can just put you can point a podcast feed toward the algorithm, and it will tell you all of the psychological flaws, defects, and and problems, and make kind of like nice. maybe psychohistorical predictions about uh, about people so, based on the hours and hours in the in their feed for all we know the nsa already has this and it would be great to see the output right that's all i'm saying there's some you think there's some nsa computer out there which you know on the output they plugged it in on the output is it's like you know christian is destined to die penniless and alone (laughs) (laughs) right there's an ai at the nsa yeah uh, and it's called pal Ooh. To try to make it seem more friendly. Instead of Whopper. Instead of the Whopper or Hal. <laughs> yeah, but, okay. But it's oh, like I see. Hal, I see, yeah. Right? But it's Pal. I like it. <clears throat> this and is it, very infinite jesty. Yeah. And it, uh, it, yeah, it comes up with a, a set of psychometrics and other uh, profiling information mm-hmm. based on listening to at least a few hours of spoken uh, communication from the target. Right. And, yep. and, and could be phone conversation, yeah. could be podcast recordings. Makes no difference which. Hmm. Uh, two two bits of of media related to this. The other, you know, uh, my daughter took this film class at mm-hmm. a summer camp, mm-hmm. um, and ha- came back with a new appreciation of film. Like she's always been like into writing and art and stuff like sure. that, and has enjoyed movies, even quirky movies. Like she's one of the ones who really liked Upstream Color with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at an early age, which is, you know, peculiar, she, but she hates action movies, but she wanted to watch The Dark Knight. So we watched The Dark Knight because – This is after getting back. After getting back, you know, because she had a sense that this was un- – and I, we talked about it before. Like the, the first and third movie in the Christopher Nolan cycle are good movies. Had she ba- not – she had not seen any She had seen it. Batman Begins like a long time ago because oh, we watched okay. it as a family. It's, it's, a, it's a fun movie. It's very good, I think, mm. and craftsman-wise. The third one, you know, you can argue about it, but I think it's also a good movie. The second movie though, Dark Knight, it transcends its genre. Yeah, this is with Heath Ledger. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. – so good. And watching it again, it's actually action sequences that take away a little bit. If you took some of those out and you made it more about, you know, anyway. So so we watched that. <laughs> and and the, the sense of that character, the Joker, wanting to watch the whole world burn, right? Mm. And, and just being an agent of chaos. Mm, timely. Extremely timely. I mean, I, I, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it, it was really affecting. I, so anyway, I recommend it. Hmm. The other is was I going to say this? Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to listen to audiobooks and, and substituting some podcasts for audiobooks. Oh, okay. And I'm listening to and <laughs> this may be ridiculous. It's talking about infinite jest reminds me of this. I've started listening to Gravity's Rainbow. Have you ever read? I've not. You've not. You mentioned this book the other day, I think. Yeah, because I think I just I just started it, and it it will occupy my time for quite a while because mm. I think it's like a forty hour book. Whoa. Which cannot be li- unlike most podcasts cannot be listened to. 
as far as I can tell, at 3x or 2.5x. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, when I started, I had to turn it down to 1.25x, Joe. Mm. Wow. And now I'm up to like 1.5x, but still, it's, 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 uh, you got to listen very closely. Yeah, there's That's stuff happening. You, you got to read like a companion to go with it. Like I found a couple of websites, which are kind of, I'm trying to, it's rewarding, but it is, um, it is, it is dense and packed with characters and, uh, yeah. Now, so one interesting thing to think about would be, but it has that, I, I, I only mention it because it has that sense, uh, that this idea of this secret computer, Oh, which okay. is making these predictions, these based on your, the past, the connection, connecting your past to your future. And this is one which connects kind of the, you know, it kind of inverts the, the order of things, right? Where the, where the, uh, the effect comes before the cause. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway, and no spoilers, but. So why not just read the book? Uh, uh read, read as opposed to listen to. Well, I, you know, I do read books, it's, it, but this is a way to kind of read more. And especially read more literature during times which when you couldn't sit down and read a book. So, so there, when I'm walking the dog, when no. I'm up, when I, when I first make coffee in the morning for everybody, when I get up and I make coffee, and so that I'm usually otherwise I might be listening to a podcast. Now I'm listening to Gravity's Rainbow, which is awesome. Uh, my guess is their books vary in the degree to which they sort of lend themselves to that. I'm not a very experienced audiobook listener, but my guess is that they vary in the degree which they're amenable to that that form of intake for the the reader slash listener. Yeah, I think that's right. Don't yeah, I know mean, where don't because I'm not experienced with it very much. I don't know where Gravity's Rainbow would fall. Uh, on I that. think it is a tough read and it is a tough listen. Mm. So I don't know, you know, I can't compare. I know some, some, you know, a long time ago I listened to um, a Benjamin Franklin biography. Oh. That was easy to listen to. Yeah. And There's my other experience is... Grant biography coming out in a few months. I'm very excited about that. You're excited about that? Why, are you, why are you excited about that? Because I, I've, I've, got, I've, I've looked around enough and poked around enough to know he's very, uh, he's historically sort of underestimated and... And that there's reason to think that a lot of that has to do with the lost cause ideology uh, right. that is uh, so disgusting um, in valorizing uh, traitors in defense of chattel slavery. Um, and, and so I, to see him sort of in a, in a serious and thoughtful and non-ideological way kind of examined um, hmm. from such an interesting period, such an interesting guy, um, I'm very much looking forward to it. Hmm. So – and 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 because the the and maybe I could listen to that traditional take is he was an ineffective president. Yeah, sort of a feckless alcoholic, you know, crap pile. Um, right. And mm. I think that's sort of very convenient for that was convenient to a sort of historical uh, a quote historical uh, particular movement of mm-hmm. of a lost cause ideology. And you, you're going to read this book, not listen to it. Well, what I'm saying is maybe I'll maybe I'll listen to it. Have you listened to audiobooks? I, I have, yeah. um, not very often, but I have. Sure. Actually, the other another recent audiobook I listened to on road trips. You know, I like road trips. Yeah, that was in fact the most recent one I listened to was when I went to Annapolis uh, for that Piraeus seminar on. Virgil's Aeneid, mm-hmm. um, because I'd gotten a little bit behind in my reading, I listened to it on the way there to do some of the reading. In spoken ancient Greek? Um, well, um, no, it was written in Latin, of course. Um, oh, okay. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I did not listen to it in Latin. I listened to it in English. And I, yeah, I've not read it, and I, I know nothing about it. 
And uh, but so the, the reader was Simon Callow, the yeah. English actor who's very uh, funny and hilarious and uh, accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he was doing a great job. And he didn't he didn't read it in Latin. No, he read it in English. Of course, the reason I mention ancient Greek is because the minute you mention St. John's. It's what do you think of? I think of yes. translating ancient Greek. Correct. Huh. Well, so I listened to the, orphans, the Orphan Master's Son on a drive from the Northeast down uh, back here. And that was, that was a great book to listen to. Mm, cool. Probably easier to listen to than, uh, than Gravity's Rainbow. Mm. Highly recommend it. I found it very affecting. Um. I'm trying to think of, and then of course with the kids, we've listened to a lot of books on various trips. We found that to be great. And, and those included, it wouldn't be YA fiction. I don't know, but there was uh, this monster blood tattoo series, which I thought was really fun and interesting. It's one of these total like world building fantasy genres, but where the world building is really interesting. Hmm. Like there are vinegar, there are vinegar seas and the people who, who sail on these seas are called vinegaroons and there's a whole series of like, it's just, it's a really cool uh, series. I think, um, interesting to me though, that you tend not to listen to audiobooks routinely, but you are a podcast listener. That's true. I think the, um, yeah, think, think about why I, yeah. for me, podcasts are, they, they don't have plots. Right. So <laughs> this one certainly doesn't. <laughs> no, not at all. Talk about a random walk. Um, so it's it's sort of less. There's less. And when I was listening to the Aeneid, of course, I'd read it er, earlier in my life, and and I knew the general outline of the story. And the if if some particular detail went by, it wasn't the the most crucial thing in the world that that I would have missed it because um, the story would sort of weaves the important elements in repeatedly. Um, so I didn't feel particular like worry. Mm-hmm. Am I really getting out of this experience? I think another thing, like I could, it, I'm sure I could listen because I've read yeah. Austin's novels m- m- repeatedly. Right. Uh, I, I'm sure I could listen to them and just enjoy it thoroughly because I would know sort of where I was and what was happening. Now, uh, but I, if if I'm encountering it for the first time, yeah. I sort of want to be able to flip the way I read it. I was a book, just about to ask you about this. It's a little bit of yeah. a context yeah, for it. I, I, I was going to ask you. I was yeah. going to ask you like do you are you a random access reader where you're constantly flipping back and I'm forward? flipping around and I'm looking at different things and I'm putting it down to go check something and then I come back and I'm going to read a page before and after Hard again. Hard to do I'm, with audio, right? Yeah, it's just not how I don't engage with stuff. Uh, I wonder with AI, like you know, not not. I mean, all right, we're not going to talk about AI and hard AI and all of that right now. But at least, but the kind of simple AI that maybe you could talk to and say, "Hey, can you go back to the part where blah blah blah?" Yeah, that would be great. I mean, if we had Star Trek's computer, no, I'm not even talking me. about. I'm not even talking about like that kind of like solving the hard AI problem, whatever that means. I'm talking about like you know a very domain specific thing where the yeah you know be anyway. great. Yeah. And, and maybe uh, maybe a few years from now, the sort of the home assistant, uh, sort of Alexa or Siri or something like that, will be able to do those things. Right. Like, so like if you're listening to an audio book, you could say, you know, uh, pause and go back to the scene where such and so. Or can you play for me again the scene involving these two characters? Or where it just spontaneously. And it would go back and f- sort of find that. Or where it just kind of spontaneously says, you know, I, you and your spouse have been talking less at dinner. I, you know, things don't seem okay. Maybe you would enjoy this novel. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> it gives you some right. kind of uh, a little creepy, some kind of nihilistic tome or something. Yeah. Um, anywho, how about that eclipse? I wanted to talk about the eclipse earlier, and you said I had I'm, to be I'm quiet. Not done, I'm not done talking about this. Okay, we can come back to this. You, you remember we've been talking. Uh, I, I had a question. One one thing we didn't do on the mailbag episode was answer this question of what podcast should I listen to? Mm, that's we've true. done this from time to time. Where we've said suggested this, suggested that. Uh, I'm going to come back to this, but we don't need to now. Let's talk about the eclipse. That sounds good to me. Okay. So I said earlier that uh, in, in answer to your comment about not having firm eclipse plans for August 21st, we're recording this before the the a few weeks before the upcoming um, total solar eclipse. The end of the world. That will be transiting the United States uh, bring, on August 21st. De- bring death and destruction in its wake. Perhaps. Yeah, we don't you know. You never know. You never know. Because we're recording before. Right. Um, and you said, you know, firm eclipse plans. And I said. I said I don't have firm eclipse you, plans. Correct. Yeah, you right, said right. you don't. Yeah. And I said, you know, we're not actually that far away from the sort of the path of the the total the totality, right. the path of the moon's total uh, occluding yeah. of the sun. So we're in Athens, Georgia. Right. D- and if you go d- online, be, you can find these creepy. little zip code, <laughs> like put in your zip code yeah. and it will tell you what yeah, percentage yeah. and all that You stuff. can see the maps, yeah. And it's like more than 99%. Yeah, 99 point something. But Here, that is as far away from 100% as uh, 97. I mean, it's like it doesn't. In in fact, it's more than two percent closer. Um, I mean, it's a funny thing about numbers; you can actually, you know, count them. Really, tell uh, me more yeah. about math. Tell me more about math, Joe. Um, it's all, it's all <laughs> good. Um, and uh, the maths. So, so wait, are you planning to stay here in Athens for the eclipse? Um, well, you know, it, it, I hadn't, as as you have, not made plans. I have not made plans, right? Um, so well, I, I, haven't did, made, I haven't made plans in the following sense. I did look the other day. Okay. Um, I Go looked ahead. up um, <laughs> like driving to Elberton, for example. Yeah. Uh, which is another town in Georgia mm-hmm. that's closer to the path of the totality. If that, if I'm using the right word there, I don't yeah, know that well, I am. Whatever. But, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, People know what you mean. And uh, the, the, the shadow. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and it's about a 45 minute drive and it seems like it's pretty close to the band of shadow. That I've seen on these various maps, a lot of right. good online resources for yeah. this event. Um, so I might do that. I don't know. And you would stay there. You still wouldn't. Are you going to be in the path of totality? Or do you, are you see? This is the way I haven't made plans. I'm not sure. Like I didn't reserve a a place like months ago. I had As a, many people have apparently. Yeah. There's a story about this interesting story in. Online, I saw Newsweek this morning, a source I don't normally look at, but I somehow got linked to this thing, um, where there, there's uh, apparently a lot of a lot of localities have been doing effectively disaster preparedness right. stuff um, because of the the influx of people is sort of like what you would get after a natural disaster. Exactly, yeah. Um, and uh, and so people have been you know for quite a long time sort of getting rooms and hotels and airbnbs and da 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 and doing lots of planning so i've wanted to camp i've wanted to be in the backcountry camping to watch mm-hmm. this this is what i've wanted to do finding a place and we have we have some guests coming down uh finding a place is going to be kind of hard and then you, the weather of course like you're going to want to know that it's not going to be cloudy right where you where you decide to go right which and, is very hard to uh, predict so yeah you don't better wanna, than you don't want to be locked into a place especially in the western north carolina mountains which are often cloudy even if it's cloudy, it'll be cool, no doubt. But because mm, yeah. uh, it'll be dark, uh, right. but it'll get dark for a few minutes. You know, obviously, 
with an event like this, it's much better if it's not, and you can actually see it. If it's not cloudy, right. And yeah. So I, so I don't have definite, uh, an itinerary, but I have definite plans to be in the path of, of totality. Mm. Because, I mean, if you're... If but you're, they're general plans. Yeah, yeah. I mean... You if, have definite plans, but they're general If plans. you're not in the path of totality, you, you, can, you can't look directly at the sun. Right. Um, and, and you shouldn't without that the special uh, protective eyewear in any event, but no drink, drink totality. You can look at it without any, in fact, you have, you should take off the eyewear drink total during the period of totality. Okay. Um, the, the, yeah. the coronal yeah. stuff is safe to look at. Yeah. You won't, you won't see it. I think with those glasses on. Oh, okay. So, and they tell you in that, I mean, but you have to make sure it's actually in totality. I, and, I mean, and I don't it, think it's a huge, it's hugely different that nine, that's what I'm saying. 99.8 to, you know, compared to 97, for example, like right, you so said, it, it's a, it's a substantial difference, but yeah, in terms for, of the experience. Difference between an annual eclipse and a total, uh, uh, an annular eclipse and a total eclipse. Yeah, the, the um, and I've seen an annular eclipse actually during grad school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, it was kind of cool. Totally but, agreed. It's very different. Um, I, but do I have a plan? Uh, like I said, I looked at a map. I looked online. <laughs> it, it's like, oh, it's a 45 minute drive to Elberton. Maybe I could earlier that day drive to Elberton. See what's going on. It's a, it's a, it's forty five minutes closer. Is it in the? I think it's like right next to the totality. <clears throat> I don't know. You have to go on foot from there. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I think it is going to be. We we might actually be somewhat lucky on the southern side, but but maybe it depends on where all the Atlantans are going. Mm, you know, because right. that path kind of bends south eastward. Right. And I, I mean, I, there I, is, I think the there is well off going to Augusta and past a little bit past Augusta. Yeah. So um, the northern side, the people coming from the northern side of the path of totality, I think is going to be more jammed because mm. everybody coming from the northeast. Ah. So we right. and and then, of course, 441 going up. Let, let's continue our local talk mm. about our plants. I've got I've got a buddy, a good buddy who's in Idaho uh, at the foot of the Tetons on nice. the western side who's doing actually, you know. He's got a class who are doing some real research. You know, the, the, the various scientific organizations have, oh, great. have kind of deputized Will a bunch of – Will they be of, doing any filming? Uh, I th- I'm not sure. They're going to be taking some measurements. But, they, you know, can you imagine seeing at the foot of the Tetons? Hmm. It sounds great. It sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. So is this – are we done with the Eclipse Corner? I think everyone here? should also wear per- – I, I think that uh, given the <laughs> here we go. Uh, total Eclipse's mystical and magical powers, I think people should be wearing, you know uh, – Various disposable undergarments. Oh, boy. It just doesn't hurt to be prepared. You don't know what kind of bodily reaction could (laughs) occur, right, Um, at the sight of this stuff. I would strongly urge you, if you feel that you need something like that, I would strongly urge you to have that at all times. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Uh, You remember Night of the Comet, that movie? Oh, where everyone dies overnight and the kids are. No spoilers, Joe. No spoilers. Oh. Don't ask me if I remember it if I can't talk about it. This is one of the movies made in advance of Halley's Comet reappearing in the 80s. Mm. This is back and when, it, and, back and when like people are playing. And a lot of people die. These kids are at a movie or something. Yeah. They're in like a movie house. And like everybody's, everybody's playing Galaga or whatever. Right. And then the Comet comes through and people Galaga. wake up. And, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's an 80s thing. Right. Everybody's playing Galaxian and Galaga. Do you, were you a Galaxian person or Galaga? I don't think I played either of those. What? I, I was not really a video game person. What about Defender? Is that the thing where it's scooting along the bottom of the screen and you're just 
What's the Atari thing where you're just shooting Atari, up? No, I'm not. No, I'm just going to get frustrated by this. So I'm going to back out of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I never did the whole <clears throat> go to the video game place with with your roll of quarters and play all the cabinet games. And so I just didn't do that. Hmm. What else is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so clearly. I was too busy reading books and having conversations. Are you ready to start the show? Sure, sure. Whenever you're ready. I think people tune in thinking, oh, what kind of, you know, who are they going to have on? What talking, are we talking about this Talking week? about legal theory. And this is just, just, this is just you and you and me, Joe, kind We're of. just chatting. Kind of shooting the bull, as you they know, say. Got to enjoy the last days. <laughs> you got to kick back and just have a good, friendly conversation. We've cleared out the mailbag. We don't have a guest. We don't even have a topic. There we, is actually an Asher email that we did not. Really. Oh, I, I thought we were just going to assimilate that with the with the mailbag and and kind of put it off to the next. I don't have that in front of oh, me. Oh, we can, we can do that. We so you're saying Asher's amazing, awesome email reacting to Leah Lippman's debunking the anti novelty canon and the Larry Solemn blog post to which he points. We're just going to put that as our anchor. That's the right. stake we've driven into the ground right. of history, so that we can like. The Minotaur. Here we go. I'm getting lost here. <laughs> I know. Like Ariadne, we can find our the, way out of the right. maze, right? We, it's, not, we, it's not the Minotaur that was getting lost. Yeah. <laughs> we can find our way out of the maze um, back to that stake in right. the ground, right? which is that email. Because right. now it's our marker for when we go back to the mailbag. That's where we begin. It's right. the foundation <laughs> of the next mailbag episode. I like it. Right. right next Let's to your that. mail. I think that's respectful. It will be the... The foundation and the pyramid of comedy. Yeah. In our viewer mail episode. <clears throat> Let's do it. One. All right. So kick that jazz to the curb. Right. So, um, hmm. So we don't have a topic. We don't have a topic. We don't really have any law to talk about. Actually, I, I do want to talk about one thing that came okay. up. Um, and, and maybe there are more. Let's just talk. We're just going to talk for a little bit. We're if just going to have if, a conversation yeah, you, and then we're going to pack it in because it's <laughs> the end of days. If you don't. So you got to just <laughs> mellow and chill. Right, right. Um, I, so why not return to this idea of podcasts? Like what, what podcasts oh, yeah, we yeah. listen to? And I just want to bracket. Yeah, I've got a few suggestions. I do have a few suggestions and, okay. and the, the audiobook thing kind of, you know, mixed in with this, but, yeah. um, my, my I almost want to bracket like all the, all the great legal podcasts that have sprung up would, mm-hmm. would, because our, our audience obviously overlaps a good bit with. Uh, um, uh, Steve Vladek and Bobby Chesney's National Security Law podcast, which is terrific, which is terrific uh, with First Mondays, which is awesome. Uh, with um, 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 uh, gosh, what's the name of it? Um, this week in Health Law. Oh yeah, Frank Pasquale's Frank Pasquale's podcast with certainly with Amicus, mm-hmm. Dahlia Lithwick's amazing podcast. Right. Um, what else am I That's forgetting? From Slate. Yeah. So it's with the other Slate podcast. I'm actually not looking at my subscription feed right now. So yep. I don't, I, you know, I have all these in there and I, I don't remember right. all of them. I kind of listen to them as they come up. And every time we're asked for podcast suggestions, I'll just to remember the ones I really enjoy. I'll kind of go through the, I'll look at my feed yeah. and I'll remember the ones that kind of are in there, but I'll forget the ones that aren't in there because I just listen to them. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So that's why you got to thumb down to look at the ones. That are, I know, I know. You know yeah, but they're that, still in that but list. But I got a huge pile in that list, many of which <clears throat> oh, I, I don't have that. turned on. Yeah. Because, um, you know, everything I've ever kind of wanted to sample an episode of is in there. Yeah. I'm not really good at pruning that. Yeah. I mean, my, um, 
in addition to being restless, I have a, a as everyone knows, I, there's a there there are these little places where anxiety gets its fingers in, and so a a list of stuff I'm not listening to yeah. would be a source of anxiety. So I prune. You're a pruner. I'm a pruner. Which which is not to say I eat a lot of prunes or I grow prunes or something like that. It's that I make prunes. I guess you have to make. I don't know what you make prunes out of, but. Um, I, I think it's a I think it's an organic plant. I think you, it's like a plum or something yeah, that you turn into a prune. I don't know what it is, but anyway, you don't think there's a prune tree? It'd be it'd be weird if there's if wouldn't that be strange if there's no prune tree? <laughs> well, there's no there's no pickle plant. There's cucumbers. Yeah, but the word prune as a verb, interesting. Hmm. Okay, we're we're uh, uh, someone send us the etymology of prune as a verb. Right, we can ask. The I actually don't eat that. prunes. We get etymology. So, right. Is, my it, is, point a prune, is, is a prune a dried fig? My <clears throat> my point was, <laughs> I trim the list. Yeah. Okay. So that it's not anxietying me. Okay. It doesn't doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't surprise I'm me. I'm not at trying all. to surprise you. Okay. So, do you want to bracket the the law podcast, or do you have anything to add to that list? Oh, so you were saying first, uh, you know, first among equals is law podcasts. That's what you were trying to chunk conceptually. Right. I mean, I mean, I assume if you listen to the show, you know about these other podcasts, yeah. right? And, and, and you mentioned you, First Mondays and you mentioned National Security Law and you mentioned Lawfare. Oh, I didn't mention Lawfare. I've Lawfare got that in my feed too. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking at it. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That, everyone knows about that, right? Yeah, everyone knows those. And there are an increasing number of, of student podcasts. Of what? Of student podcasts. Law student podcast, you know, yeah. journal podcasts and things like that. Uh, I, summary I, Judgment was the recent one, uh, the of recently course, yeah, started one that we talked about We the gave other that day. a shout out a couple episodes ago. Absolutely. And he's keeping up with that. Yeah. So, so those are law ones. Okay. So you're saying you want to expand the circle outside of law I ones. think that's really what the question goes to because I th- – this was in response to my suggestion of listening to an episode of The Weeds. And I forget actually what the topic was that was – that I thought was really – Great. I mean, they, talk, they had a recent one about drug policy. You know, there's a bunch about um, insurance that really goes through the health insurance um, debate. Um, I, I find it to be a really fascinating podcast. I love the weeds. Yeah. A huge reason I love the weeds is that if I worked a lot harder and were a lot smarter, I would be half as good as Matt Iglesias. He's really good. But the other the other folks really on there good. are really good too, and I don't. They're remember, all great. I don't remember. But their there's names. something about his wry puncturing of stuff that I find both hilarious and informative in equal measure. Yeah. So I just love the weeds. What he has is this combination of. In, so oftentimes you you'll find people who are non ideological, meaning that they, you know, are that they, that they approach they that they uh, that they approach questions fresh. You know, in a way that like I'm not going to – I'm going to try not to bring my preconceived notions to this question of like whether this bill is any good or or whether our approach to Syria is any good or, you know, I'm you know I'm, I'm just going to take the data in. I'm going to think about this question fresh. Like, so, so you, often what goes with that is a, a kind of obstinate refusal to call out idiocy, right? And and what, what, what Matt Iglesias seems to have, right, is he's – just he's not like contrarian for its own sake, no. But he does seem to approach problems fresh, right? In the sense that he's willing to reconsider. He's aware of his own biases. He's he's very incisive, but he's totally unafraid to take a position, 
to say, you know, this is, right. you know, th- not, not that there is a one right answer, but the, boy, there are a bunch of stupid answers to these <laughs> questions, right? And he's willing to, yeah, identify them as such. Um, and that's cool. So it's rare that I think that you get someone who strikes you as not ideological in the sense that you can predict everything they're going to say about everything just based on their on priors. Yeah, he's not. Uh, but but also like not. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's here? not surprising. I would say it a little differently. It, yeah. He's not doctrinaire. I don't like yeah. the word ideological in the sense that I don't believe there. I, I think all of us, even when we're trying very hard, uh, are are going to have a residue of some motivated reasoning. It's just the way our brains work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so ideology, if if you were if you were taking it as you know non ideological means um, utterly unmotivated reasoning, I, I'm not sure that's possible. Um, so I, I would say he's just he's not doctrinaire. Yeah, that's uh, a good word. You're not you're not getting sort of a political party t- set of talking points. Um, yeah, I, I, he, he's I guess really I was scrutinizing just saying that, stuff. I, he's asking right. hard questions, including hard questions about things that you would think maybe he's congenial to in terms of his priors, but he's not going to hold back asking hard questions. Yeah, I guess I was just uh, yeah, I, I like that word too because I was thinking of of a way of saying you know um, uh, question start with a question and there is an arrow which carries along with it the word ideology and it ends up an answer and it totally bypasses data <laughs> right, <laughs> and, right. and, uh, and other positions and coherence and all this kind of stuff. Like he's not that like his, Correct. his arrow goes through data and reconsideration. Great episode recently. I don't know it was a few, maybe it was a month ago now on border adjustment tax and like thinking through all of these things. Right. It's just great stuff. So I suggested yeah, that's that. That's another reason I love that show. So I learn a lot. Yeah. Which is the best of all. I mean, that's great. Love the weeds. You know what? We got to go. So we got to cycle back. Okay. Because we didn't, we did not point to what is in some ways the er Ooh. law podcast, the ultimate, the most important in a way law podcast. Right, let's, th- Joe, let's not toot our own horns. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and because it's about justice as much as it is about anything else. And that is the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but we've, I mean, that's, we've that's recommended that's that before. That's law in action. Yeah, that's, we, that's law in that's law in life. I take that to be a given. Okay, I, take I, that I don't think we can. I think we need to. I think we need to enumerate. We've recommended it like twenty times on the show. Every time, every time the suggestion, uh, the podcast suggestions come up, I feel like that's one that but, we suggest. But, but we but, weren't yeah, merely recommending; fair. we were also categorizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a means to recommend, so we need to put that in the law category. Um, in my opinion, so outside law, if we're just thinking of like, how do you enrich your intellectual, creative life, whatever yep. you're trying to get out of podcasts mm. that stretch you or make you think about things differently. That's what I'm usually looking for in a podcast. I mean, you can find some that are just plain entertaining. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 or that are, or, or that are like super informative and interesting, like radio lab. I mean, we've discussed that one before, but some that people might not otherwise know about. Do you, do you have anything on that list, Joe? Well, uh, 99% invisible. Of course. The Roman Mars podcast yeah. is great. Um, oh, in the in the law category is his new one with with Elizabeth Joe. Uh, yeah. What Trump can teach us about con law? Yeah, that's a fun. Don't know how long they'll do that show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope it's a short lived show. Why? Um, why? Do, oh, yeah. Oh, because mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but other so other stuff. Um, I recently subscribed to Recode Decode, which is a Kara Swisher interview oh, yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. The other uh, – so Ezra Klein has a show. He's in the Weeds, Ezra Klein but he show? also has his own yeah. interview show called The Ezra Klein Show. I like interviews a lot. So yeah. On Being, 
uh, Krista Tippett's show. I don't listen to that one. Um, Maybe I should. I listen to On Being and I do it as a podcast and I do it with the she, – she releases two versions of each episode, an edited version and a, just an unedited conversation and I listen to the latter. Huh. Um, so because you're a completist, kind of musical introduction stuff. That's surprising because you. I, I just joked, but you're not a completist ordinarily, right? Like you um, would normally want the pruned version, the pre-pruned. But but I let with these conversations and interviews, I'm looking for those wandery spots that yeah. they're going to cut out. I actually want to hear that. Show. No, that actually should be no surprise to our listeners, <laughs> <laughs> especially um, if they're still, especially <clears throat> especially if they're still listening at this point. Yeah, uh, Pod Save America is just fun and. You know, uh, makes me laugh, and also a little information. Uh, I think you're interesting, which is the, uh, also from Vox. I stopped listening to Pod Save America. I mean, I, I think they do a great job, but I, I think it's I listen, too much for me. It's just, yeah, I listened to ten or fifteen minutes of it, and then I wind up do, go moving on to something else. Um, and I'll probably stop listening at the end of the week. At, you know, again at like two X, I'll listen to Love It or Leave It. In, See in that the, one, I don't listen to because I find him. It's just he's just too. He's funny, but he's he can be really irritating. I love it. <laughs> no, um, not to me. I I, I don't find great. him irritating. So it's a little bit of like partisan candy, and I will yeah. indulge in that at at two x. The um, Pod Save the World interviews are sometimes really great. So I've yes. listened to some of those. The, that's the Tommy Vitor son of international relations, right? Thing. Um, so there was a guest on the Ezra Klein show named Julia Galliff. Okay, who is um, I don't know what the right lingo phrases for this sort of new rationalism stuff um and anyway she's got a show called rationally speaking which i just subscribed to looking forward to hearing a few of those okay uh politically reactive the show with uh, w kamau bell and hari kondabolu which is both fun and interesting um you you're looking at your feed i'm looking at my list here um radio atlantic the atlantic magazine just started a podcast a few episodes mm-hmm. like a few weeks ago uh, you're of, always jumping to the new ones aren't you i like i like new yeah and I, these are big podcasts too these are not you're not indie i'm not like what are your all these are like big podcasts i guess the reaction just one, one last not, um uh, the good fight uh, with yasha monk uh, Ooh, i don't know that new one. america foundation um He's very interesting thinker. Again, someone I got through Ezra Klein. Mm-hmm. It's not about new big or indie or whatever. It's about the one. So I, I try things because I hear something somewhere else. Right. So like Julia Galliff and Yasha Malk were both people Either about, I heard interviewed by Ezra Klein. Them, and so yeah. I was like, oh, I'll go listen to them more on this other thing that they do. Um, hmm. That's it. That's it, huh? Yeah. Uh, so I would be it, yeah. yeah it's a, you, you're raising an interesting point. So our show is not a show I would find probably if I weren't talking on it, unless mm. first month. See, but I would because first Mondays by listening to that, then I heard this other show called Oral Argument. I'm like, that's interesting. Well, so people, I would go listen. It, to yeah, it. some people found us when I was on Amicus with Dahlia, yes, right? And that's and we had her on our show to. as well, right? So. Yeah. It's a network. So it's a you're citation saying, network. You're saying you would give our show a shot because you heard us on better shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about better or not. I would give it, I would, I hear things that pique my interest and I so I'm I'm basically jumping I'm doing a lily pad kind of thing where I'm jumping to nearby pads. Yeah. 
So I, yeah, there are a lot of great shows that, that I have listened to, not all the time because I am trying to kind of cut down on podcast listening a little bit. I'm not saying, I'm not, maybe not trying, maybe that's the wrong word, but I kind of jump in and out yeah. and occasionally like my unlistened to pile gets a huge and then it gets smaller right. and then I cut things it out or flows. add things. Um, so I, you know, I listen to radio lab. I listen to all these other shows that some of the ones that you mentioned and, and some other ones. Um, but do you, do you listen to the McElroy brothers? Do you know who they are? I know who they are. I don't what do you think of them. I don't know that I've ever heard. What of a what name a podcast? There's uh, my brother, my brother and me, which I've listened to some episodes of, and we'll listen. Um, are these other MaxFun.org properties? Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, they are, but they also two of them write for Polygon. The hmm. the actually the uh, of the two major video game websites. This is the good one. Oh, and. So they, no, I don't. I don't the podcast know I listen to from them though is the Adventure Zone, hmm. which is hilarious and fun. It is basically these guys and their dad playing D anD D, and it, it is terrific. Wonderful. You got to start from the first episode though. I think. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you got a lot of catching up to do, Joe. So for next week, we will talk about episodes one through five of the Adventure Zone. No. So this is the. Adventure Zone Listening Club. We'll have oh, that corner. Oh my gosh! This will no. be. We'll insert this segment right after knitting with Joe. No. After your updates on your knitting, mm. and we'll talk about the Adventure Zone. Kind of what we'll Summer, do a little really recap. Knitting updates. We'll do. This is going to be an Adventure Zone Metacast. Nice. So I I, I like that that's one. That's a good. T- that's not a bad show title. The Metacast. Mm. Where you just talk about other podcasts. Yeah. I I feel like you'd have to in order for it to be interesting, you'd have to be a little bit nasty though sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I don't want to slag on any other you show. Don't, no. You don't want to stick the shim in? No, you, I mean, would, you would have to do takedowns from time to time. In fact, you might have to do them reasonably frequently. For it, You're right. For it to be interesting. And the Metacast yeah. is going to have to have a little bit of bitchy in it. A little shiving. Yeah. A little bitchy shiving, for sure. <laughs> that would be a great show title for this episode, but I, I'm not going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> the Metacast? No. no the, what, what, I don't even want to say the word. Okay, so... Um, yeah, so some other ones, we both listened to Merlin Mann for a while. Yes. You know, back to work. Listen to, I don't, I don't, continue, I don't listen to every episode of that these days. I found it to be, I love Merlin Mann's stuff. And I bet if I listened to some of them again, like recent episodes of some of them again, I would be having a great time. They, I have found that they very quickly become in my perception, very repetitive. Hmm. And so I wind up listening only for a little while, unsubscribing, and then at some point later, I'm like, you know what I miss? I miss some Merlin Mann. And then I subscribe <laughs> to something again. Uh, so whether it's... He's like a friend that you in, you love meeting up with, you know, a few times a year. Is that uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Uh, Do you listen to Reconcilable Differences with John Syracuse? See, this is another... So you can name any of the properties and I will have the same. So this, don't, the don't Dan Benjamin stuff... Don't, don't use the word properties. Um... <laughs> Any of his shows, yeah. I will ha- have all the great shows. So, so he did a he did some stuff with the folks who made Cards Against Humanity on, uh, yeah, Top du- Chef, Dubai Friday. Oh, and then they had Dubai Friday is a is a spinoff of that original oh, I didn't stuff they did that. about Top Chef. Yeah, the Top Chef w- stuff was hilarious uh, because it was a, they were reacting to individual episodes of the show Top Chef. Do you watch Top Chef? I'd watch those episodes and then I would listen to the show, oh. and it was just awesome. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and yes, I've enjoyed Top Chef before. So, uh, it was not a surprise, um, that I would enjoy this podcast. Anyway, 
then they spun off into this do by Friday thing. And that's when it gets repetitive to me. I don't mm. know why it is, but I just, so. I've got it in my feed and I, and I just haven't really embarked on listening to it yet. It kind of shows up in my feed and I don't, I don't really listen. Um, it, maybe it's great. I don't know. I do listen to Reconcilable Differences with John Syracuse and Merlin <laughs> yeah. Mann, which is just because I like the people. I mean, for me, the podcasts are They're almost great. always about like, are these people having a conversation that I want to join in on? Yes. You know, that I have some thoughts on that I'd like to say something to, you know. And it's not just them as individuals, but their interaction is interesting. They're coming at things from a, from different points of view in a way that's very creative and catalytic and fascinating. And I'll listen to anything with John Syracuse. Mm. He just has to be – if he's in it, I'll listen. And because still, to this day, hypercritical – That's pretty cool. Hypercritical, the – to me, is like the Ur podcast. Mm. It is the, the, it's the Ur Ur podcast. It was the, it's the Ur podcast of Ur podcast. Best podcast that ever was. Hundred episodes. It's another of, great title. Ur Ur. Hundred episodes of of just pure fantasticness. Wow. I still miss that one. So, but I listen. So I listen to Actinal Tech podcast because he's on there. And there's an irony that I would that that I will absolutely never listen to anything. Um, and it's it's what's ironic about it is I would be using Overcast to make this decision. Oh boy, uh, I would never listen to anything with Marco. Urbans. Oh my god, that's mean. It's not mean. It's because it's just about taste. There's no accounting for taste. I'm sure there are several billion people on this planet who will never ever on principle listen to anything in which I appear. How many people are on the planet? I'm totally fine with that. How many people are there? S- about 7 billion. And so- I'm sure about <laughs> 6 billion of them on principle, consciously and by declaration right. would never listen to anything I appear in. And that's absolutely Well, that you appear in I was going to say there are podcasts I was in 7 billion minus epsilon whatever <laughs> small <laughs> small number. Uh yeah. So, because yeah, unlike his written stuff, which I've often found you quite like interesting, yeah. I find his spoken stuff to be wildly irritating. And that's not what I'm going to podcast for, to be wildly irritated. Yeah, I mean, it's Challenge, sure. So irritated, no. Because there is a part of him when he talks that sounds cynical in a way that I could see would rub, rub you the wrong way. That, you know, I get the sense from the way that, that, um, John Syracuse and Casey interact with him, which is not the way that he comes off in person. And maybe that's what's rubbing you the wrong way. Maybe. Like his takes are I, – I, I enjoy listening to him. Um, I enjoy his written stuff too. And um, and part of this is back from I think the golden age of 5x5 five five when mm. I first started really listening to podcasts where yeah. I'd listen to uh, Back to Work and – um, and Build and Analyze and Hypercritical, which was like the highlight, and of course the talk show, which I still listen to. I still listen to the talk show with John Gruber. Um, long episodes, but you know, I listen to them like two and a half X or something like that. So they go by. <laughs> two and a half. They go by quickly. I, can get I bet they do. <laughs> yeah, you can listen to a lot if you You're listen to it fast. You're giving your eardrums windburn. Oh boy. Two and a half. Oh boy. But um, so so another personality that I've really gotten to like and that, I, I I mean I knew about this podcast for 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 a long time. This is uh, John Roderick's Roderick on the line with mm. Merle Man and John Roderick. Sure, but he also now has a podcast with with Dan Benjamin called Roadwork. How is that? I I love these podcasts. I could listen to John Roderick, who I think is one of the great storytellers, mm. who I think thinks of himself as someone who is is very good at that. Right, but but. But like many of us seekers, he kind of feels like a key who hasn't quite found his lock yet. You know, so he's a he's a singer, songwriter, rock musician, um, kind of the the head of the I mean, 
you know, writer and, and, and singer and I think guitar player for the long, um, the long winters. Uh, great music. Ran for uh, elected office in Seattle. Yeah, he's recently. talked about that a little bit yeah. too. It was just the way he talks about it is interesting. But he's just like really fascinating. Like he'll take an issue and he'll tell stories about it. I mean, they won't take an issue. I guess he'll start telling a story and it'll really be about you know something about life, whether it's about addiction or it's about living up to expectations or it's about um uh uh you know following your muse or it's about nature or you know he's got and he has you know he thinks about the world differently than i do but he's a seeker in the same way that i kind of am and so it's just you feel like you're along for a ride that you never would have taken on your own hmm. but if you want to go on a ride i think it's great so i love listening i may even and like what, ro- and what is that one called again road work okay I think, you know, and the thing is when he's with Dan, of course, Dan will chime in, but Dan, I think, thinks of it like an interview show mm. a little bit more than with, with Merlin. It's, a, you know, there are enough episodes now and Merlin is enough of a participant where it's it's a little bit more of a of a winking back and forth, which yeah. I think is what kind of why you only can take so much. Of, right. Um, you know, there enough inside jokes now where it doesn't. But but I, I still like that show, too. But Roadwork is where he really, I think, spins out yarns why is it called road work i actually don't know maybe they said it on the first episode and i didn't pick up exactly then i don't know i don't know if i've actually gone back to listen to that first episode but i feel like you know you're getting to know you're getting to know a mind in a dan benjamin meet him through through, through merlin i think okay and i think they did it after they met out in san francisco or seattle where when when dan was out for a conference probably seattle because that's where because that's where uh, John Roderick is, but it may have been when, you know, may have been on the West Coast somewhere. I don't know, but I've really enjoyed that one. Cool. Huh. What are some other highlights? Um, Any other podcast highlights that I listen to? Yeah. Um, this was to answer the question someone had posed to you about what podcast do you listen to? Yeah, and that that was one. That was one that I really wanted to mention. I, I listen to a bunch of space podcasts, but I think I've mentioned this before, uh, off and on. Uh, what do you mean when you say space podcasts? Meaning podcasts about space exploration. Oh. And the Planetary Society has one, Planetary Radio. Um, and uh, there's um, Space Pod with Carrie Nugent, who's space a bot. Space Pod. Space Pod. And she's terrific. I mean, she's, a, she's a scientist who studies near Earth asteroids, but she interviews, you know, astronomers, planetary scientists on all kinds of topics and they're short, you know, just basically tell us what you do, what's interesting about you. And, and they're, they're kind of not, they're not, they're not like an NPR produced style show. They're more conversational like us, but it's a little more focused. Like it's going to be like 15 minutes of Mm. really focused on a precise kind of topic, you know, whether it's gravitational waves or it's, or it's near earth asteroids or it's like, um, studying, um, you know, comets and comet composition, particular missions. It's, I, I really, you know, I binged on that on one road trip and just listened to all of them. Wow. I think it's fascinating because space is of course awesome. Right, Joe? <laughs> it is the thing through which we hurdle, you know, in, for me, in addition to, um, you, you mentioned Amicus earlier when we talk about loud podcasts, of course. And I said, ah, you know, that's part of the slate sort of stuff. Um, the slate slate, um, but um, bum I love and have – it really was where I started with podcasts was the Slate uh, Culture Gap Fest and the Slate Political Gap Never Fest. Never listened and to those. 
I love it, the Slate Culture Gap Fest in particular is has is to me just magical, and it's, I love it, and have for years. Okay, so I think if you enjoy hearing f- fun, smart folk chatting about various you know books, music, movies, important. Uh, articles that folks are talking about uh it is just great now do you listen to music so we've talked about audiobooks we've talked about podcasts i do listen to music although a lot less than i used to that's weird now when you say used to do you mean 10 years ago 20 years ago when you were a kid i was in my 30s early 40s no my 30s i used to listen to uh, 30 30 years ago now I used to listen to music a lot more. Did you really? Why? Um, Fifteen years ago, or, or was it thereabouts? A, was it a particular kind? Was it a point in your life? Is, have things changed? Have you shifted to podcasts and you've substituted? It's, What's going on? Yeah, I. Th- it's funny. I think when I left private practice and left government practice and went into teaching, um, so I, roughly when you gave up cocaine, is that what this is? <laughs> My music <laughs> consumption definitely fell. Huh. What? So I don't know why. You, 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 I don't you, know what the you connection pair those is. things together. There even isn't a connection. I don't huh. know whether. Well, uh, when did you typically listen to music when you were in practice? Oh, I listened to it all the time. I mean, I was, you know, in the morning when I got home after work, when I was, if I drove anywhere, I would listen to music all the time. Like and on, sing on with the it. radio or, or, uh, or on CD or. It's usually my own stuff. Usually it okay. wasn't the radio. So not like you weren't like a morning zoo kind of person? Good God. <laughs> um, the, we should I, do, we should do one the, morning zoo episode. I if think, I listened yeah. to the radio in the morning, it would it would be NPR. And I used yeah. to do that quite a bit as well. I haven't done that for years. I, I listen to less NPR as well. Because hmm. to me, podcasts have largely taken the place of that. So when I get up and I'm doing stuff in the morning and getting ready and stuff, I'm listening to podcasts. Yeah, for me, it's a combination of podcasts and Twitter. Like I can catch up on the news much faster on Twitter and just mm. by going to the New York Times or Washington Post website than I can listening to NPR. Fair, but I, but yeah, I still, you know, when it's on, I enjoy it. So, it, you know, it is what I it mean, is. I mean, I think they do um, – I think they do very good interviews. Yeah. Um, they're very talented and very well trained as journalists. And um, the audio is impeccable. And Yes. And it's, it's the highest It's the gold values. standard. It's the gold standard. It is. Boy, I, that's, if, if we ever raised money for the show, it would be for me to go and intern – at NPR headquarters and just <laughs> if they would have you I would love us to send you yeah, but there that's that's the first hitch so so you listen to less music I do do, do you have Spotify or iTunes music or why not I just haven't gotten around to it which is an indication of me not listening to music very much I mean there are certain things so I'll get like <clears throat> uh, Hamilton the musical that's very popular that everyone yeah. knows about um, right when it uh hit and it very quickly became available on iTunes. I downloaded it, bought it on iTunes and have been, and still oftentimes will listen to several songs of it, but I've listened to it many times from start to finish. Yeah. Love it. Huh? So music for me, it's funny. It usually is about a, I hear something and I really enjoy it, and it hits this feeling, and I listen to it a lot. Yeah. 
yeah. over weeks and months when I, I'm like, ah, oh, that's the X song feeling. And I'm like, play that song. Yeah, but, I'm, so I'm I listen the same, to music I, in a very strategic way. I don't listen to it as sort of an ambient, there's right, stuff and it's right. new and I'm constantly hearing new different kinds of music and stuff. That's not what's happening. Um, it's interesting the way that you put it. Cause I, I would, I'm similar. Like I get obsessed with a certain kind of music and I'll listen to it a lot, but I also like love the discovery features of the new music services. Yeah. Like I can just find, like I've found. And I'm not saying more, kind of music. I'm saying specific thing, specific work. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. Like I listen to the same album like 800 times, yeah. but like some of the things that I get obsessed with, I found because it's. You know, right. it's in my discovery, play, weekly discovery playlist yeah. or something like that. I should give it a try. I could very well enjoy it. I could, you know, I should subscribe to, you know, Spotify or Pandora or one of those services. And, and I, I could very well wind up enjoying it tremendously. So it's did totally you, possible. So, so this, uh, the Hamilton soundtrack, did you actually buy this on? Yeah, on iTunes. Oh, on iTunes. Not a physical CD or anything. No, I just bought it on iTunes and I've listened to it a lot. I mm. love it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, so, you know, when I get sometimes, especially when the news is bad and I just feel like I need to be with my own thoughts for a while, mm. I need to stop hearing people talk into my ear right? and like catching up on 5,000 takes on Twitter. I just right. need some time to contemplate the world and my place in it. You yeah. know, music serves that purpose. Right. Um, <clears throat> and e even as it offers the most, you know, music as an abstract art form can can create, I think, some of the deepest connections between human minds. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're talking to somebody else in a in in a in a language that you can't. I mean, lyrics are one. You know, obviously, lyrics right. are more like poetry, and it's more of a direct communication, right. even if they verge on the abstract. But the music itself, like when I listen to Colin Stetson, or I listen to something by Philip Glass, or I, you know, or you pick whatever music you like. Right. For me, you know, it's you know, stuff from Radiohead or, or from, uh, new classical musicians or, you know, whatever it is, or jazz, um, I was listening to bitches brew. Did you see this? Uh, did you see this thing? I, this was on Twitter, right? Which was, I think hilarious. Um, someone, um, uh, posted this letter from, uh, I think it was a telegram from someone who worked for the record company that Miles Davis was making music for. And it was just a, it was just a very short telegram that said, I don't know if it was Mr. Davis or Miles Davis or Miles, but it says, you know, Miles Davis wants to call his new record Bitches Brew, period. Please advise, period. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, fantastic, fantastic stuff. Cool. I don't know. That didn't go very deep. I I, I don't know. Do you yeah. – hmm. It's interesting. Uh, uh, one, I'm another, just wondering about music. In our, another yeah. music music distinction I would make in terms of my own listening is uh, so as I've mentioned, Hamilton, I love it. Um, part of the reason I love it is because I sing along with it. Um, oh boy, and, which I enjoy doing. Uh, not every time. You should make a podcast of that. No, <laughs> uh, not every time. But 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 you know uh, enough of the time. Um, certain songs, not all of them. Um, but but. Uh, and the Indigo Girls and other so, – so there's lots of stuff that I enjoy singing with. Uh, but there's also a lot of stuff I enjoy which has no lyrical uh, component mm -hmm. in many works uh, that, that have no lyrics. Um, 
uh, and some of them are, are contemporary. Bear McCreary's uh, soundtrack for Caprica, mm-hmm. uh, I think, is beautiful. And I see this is the great thing about streaming services because so we were watching. I don't you know, a lot of the music I found has been through soundtracks, and I will hear something. And it used to be like you try to find out what it was, and then you'd figure out if you want to go buy the CD or you know this is in yeah. the very old days or, or buy it on iTunes. Very and old. now with yeah. with streaming services, like I, it was like a year ago, we watched the movie Nightcrawler, which is a very interesting movie. This is not a comic. It sounds like a comic book movie, but it's a it's a movie about this. Well, let's just say very interesting guy who gets into the news business. Um, and the soundtrack, there was an arresting kind of Ooh. theme in the soundtrack. And I was able just to pull it up on Spotify and basically listen to it repeatedly for, you know, a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And it kind of scratched that itch. But you can do that now. And then it could also probably, you know, what are the other things this person has written or what are things of that other people have written that are like this? Right. So you would have a, you would get all that. And that would be great. Um, maybe. I don't know. I haven't tried uh, it. Uh, but presume it is. I, my it guess is, great. is it would be very appealing, and because many people have found it to be so. The answer is yes. Um, yeah. But uh, but but some of so some of this instrumental stuff I listen to is contemporary. Some of it is very. I've got a another thing I bought on iTunes several years ago. They did this uh, two hundred and fifty uh, uh, composition collection of Mozart's works. Yeah, um, and I've listened to that. When um, my daughter was little, we bought her the complete. CD. There was, it's pretty cheap. It was on Amazon. It's like the complete works. It's like a whole bunch, like 200 CDs. It's like a crazy amount. And, um, and it's a, lo- yeah. a lot of it is great fun and beautiful. There's a fair amount of Mozart in the St. John's curriculum in mm-hmm. the in sophomore year music class and uh, and even in freshman chorus. And uh, and so I I enjoy that a lot. Um, so my there's instrumental music from basically every period that is deeply moving this is in, in a way this is so hilarious though it's like you um we're gonna seem really old in a way because like you're, you're flirting with the idea maybe this whole streaming music thing would be would be interesting to me yeah maybe, maybe well, this would i yeah. could try it sure and we're like years and years into the point where the where streaming is clearly like the way that everybody consumes music but well it's clearly not the way that everybody consumes yeah. well i mean you can when when there, there's almost no use of the word everybody which is literal there was a time to use a different media example so there was a time uh in the united states when uh televisions had saturated american households to a very deep point market penetration was very high mm-hmm. uh, and there were only a few networks yeah. TV. So they're really, when you say, oh, everybody saw the episode of X, right? Right. Um, th- there was a sense in which that was nearly true, literally true. Uh, and uh, and so th- we can say, oh, everybody listens to music that way. Or or everybody goes to the bathroom in a flush toilet. Well, right. But the, but I actually think the, the, the size of populations on those two are, are, are still quite different. Yeah, um, no, you're you're right about that. In, ter- but, in terms of you know internet connections that people have, in terms of what they're spending their income on, the devices they listen to stuff on, we are in a pretty we're in a specific stratum of the society, and so I think there are plenty but, but, of people also, who aren't listening to music that way. But also age strata. Well, that too. I mean, I just think you know, and they can point in different directions. There's a, there's right? a free tier of Spotify. There's a what? There's a free tier of Spotify. I think where you have to listen to ads, but I, I don't think you know. I don't think the kids these days aren't going out and paying 99 cents for a song, Joe. 
That could very well be. I have no idea. They're on, they're on SoundCloud and Bandcamp and Spotify and love it. Maybe they have iTunes Music or Tidal yeah. or one of these others, but they're not. They're not doing. Yeah, the jo- so they're I not doing the Joe thing. Co- I'm, I'm about to turn fifty, right? So I could be. You're right. I could be in an age cohort that is not the main target of sort of early adoption or even sort of the beginning stages of robust universal adoption. In for music, right. I'm not in that group. But do you recognize this? Like, so this is you know as we get older, and I'm I'm. You know, not nearly as old as you are, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're barely a fraction. You're, you're, you're uh, yeah. You're practically just out of the womb. I'm only, I'm only nine tenths your age, right? And you know, there's a sense as you get older, you lose traction because you see people older than you are who have lost traction with what the what is the kind of the dominant in the culture. Do you, do you worry about that at all? No. What, what's the point of worrying about it? I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm just wondering what you think. I, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, I guess it. You know, we, we um, lose traction hmm. is an interesting frame. When you see, what do you mean by that? Lose track. Like, so the normal state of affairs is you have cultural traction. Um, no, uh, what are you I'm invoking? Ta- see, this is why I'm hesitating and hemming and hawing a little bit because I'm not talking about like you. Oh, you know, you're 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 just not. You know, at some point, you're you're no longer interested in the latest teen craze, right? And you're, you're rather you're interested. <laughs> right, I in, should hope not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's not. Yeah, you lose traction in that sense that what most people are enjoying or what or what most of the kind of in the demo dollars are going toward or things that you don't enjoy. Yeah, you you're culturally, you've kind of moved on, right? And there's a there's a there's a giant spotlight which is shining on this conveyor belt of life and it's always shining at the same age period and you just and when right. you're on it you think the spotlight's always going to shine on you but of course you're on a conveyor belt and you're moving and eventually you get to the edge of that spotlight and you realize hey it's on it's actually right. on these younger people who are not who are not me anymore right so right. uh so there's that but i'm talking about like the the tra- traction with like ways of experiencing our culture that you still would enjoy but things are kind of passing you by like you know you get kind of set in your ways like uh, whereas so for i think streaming music is a pretty good example where i i think you would love it yeah i should try it um and maybe were you younger you would have tried it out a long time ago that could be right yeah. And, 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 and are there going to be the, more and more of these things? The, sort of the social yeah. thickness uh, in my friend group would be because I bet that the fraction of our friends who use this service is smaller than it would be if we were younger. And huh. I think that has a lot of this stuff is socially influenced in that way. So right. if a bunch of uh, – if I were encountering it among my friends in an ongoing basis because there was a thicker usage usage percentage among that social group, then you're right. I would have tried it. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And it's, it would be it's surprising to me every time I hear someone I know who doesn't use streaming music. I mean, either because they don't like music as much or they just sort of don't want to try new technology or they're right. aged out of it. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's always, but, but something that I am not like that I've lost traction with that I might actually enjoy, but I have no idea how to, how to use it as Snapchat. I can't figure this out. <laughs> I have the app. I laugh because I can't either. And I don't know what I to was, do. Like t- uh, it was last summer when this, I was traveling. Is this this with, is similar to the parts of to the parts of our show where we complain about ailments. Totally. Right? <laughs> no, it's exactly <laughs> like it. It was last summer, and I was traveling uh, with family, as you know, and yeah. w- and so my nieces, two of my nieces, were there, and um, was it then or was it some other some prior occasion? 
they were doing some stuff with Snapchat and it was, they were finding it hilarious and I couldn't really follow what they were doing and they were trying to show my sister and me and it was just like, was it that and, thing where they put the animal faces? Was, like, it that, was it that thing where they put the animal faces on a, pictures? That was part of it. Yeah. So, but there's this moment where you realize there's some that, that these, as hokey as some of these age cohort names, millennials and boomers and all that stuff, as hokey and and frankly ridiculous as as a lot of that is, there it, there is a there's something there about yeah. age and the aging process and stuff that kind of clicks with you or not. That that is that is gets caught by those hokey phrases that's real. I, I remember when Twitter first launched. Because there's something about, just to finish the thought, there's yeah. something about Snapchat that is like physically doesn't, like there's something about if your brain is more than 30x years old, you're literally <laughs> incapable of comprehending Snapchat. <laughs> and they have designed it in that way. I'm I, convinced of it. I think it's, well, maybe. I think it's, I'm, I'm not so sure. Let me, let, me, let me back up a little bit. Let's approach this from another angle. Let's back up. Back up the vehicle and approach this from another angle. Beep, you want to do that? Beep, beep. Uh, I remember when up. Twitter first launched. I don't remember if it was 2005, 2007, somewhere in there. And because I, I remember seeing, I think, John Gruber talk about it. I mean, yeah. I think his either his show or his blog was the first place where I really started I Twitter, reading about I it. I Twitter pretty fast, actually. I kind of understood. I got it. Oh, no, no. well, I mean, I was on it in 2007. I have a very low number um, relative to any to most people that I see, except for I think Ian Samuel may have joined Twitter before I did, which I thought was, you know, maybe not surprising, um, although he's younger than I am. So, uh, but in the early days, and, and may have even heard about it when it was just an SMS service, right, where it was just you know, like sending text messages and uh, but or where that's how you interfaced with it. But anyway, and at first I wasn't sure. Like, what would I say on it? That was the first thing. Like, what? who would I talk to? What would I say? And it's these 140 character things and it's people talking about what they had for breakfast and what they're doing. And it's like, is this really going to be a thing? And I I kind of, I don't think I got the potential of it right away. And I eventually did join. I think it was in the fall of that first year rather than in the, um, rather than in the winter and spring where that's where it really, you know, kind of shot up was around the time that I joined. But it, and now it's a, now it's this thing which I totally get, yeah. right? Um, and following some people and having some people follow me so that I have my own circle rather than just following famous people, like that's part of it. Like, you know, there's some interaction on it. Right. Whereas with Snapchat, I joined it and I don't know what to do. Like I've got no friends who are on it. <laughs> right. I, I think this gets would, back to the social point I made before. About, right. Right. This What's it of, for? I think if you have, and they've tried to add like Snapchat, I don't know, stories or like you can follow up famous people or something or, or news organizations and see some, stuff. I don't know how to do that. I can't figure it out. I heard an interesting interview the other day about the, the, a media company that was sort of creating, it's almost like they're creating television channels in a yeah. way that are, that are Snapchat channels. It's like, when I heard that, I was like, Whoa, I really don't understand the Snapchat thing. I didn't know they used it for that. Well, I mean, one thing that's co- complicated, it's the gestures are all kind of funny. Like it doesn't follow a lot of the paradigms that you might be used to in other apps. But, you know, and the way that you communicate is like you snap these pictures. Like I'm, I'm around my son and all of a sudden you'll hear that the shutter sound from his camera. And there's like a picture of him with just his face and the ceiling. I'm like, you know, why the hell did you do that? <laughs> like who wants to see like, but it's, you know, he's communicating. I don't know. It just seems very weird to me. But right. maybe if I had a bunch of other friends, it's just like Twitter. Like you start tweeting right. a little bit and then you realize, oh, and these, and these are the kinds of things I can say. This is what might be interesting to other people. And that's exactly the semantics. It's. What I think is funny is the semantics of text, like we get textual expression, 
Mm-hmm. It's what we, it's part of what we do for a living for Pete's sake. Right. Um, and, and the, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, um, things that are about video mm-hmm. or pictures and the semantics of that, right. To I know in myself, I'm not getting it as quickly or as easily as smoothly. I don't think about, oh, that would be a fun way to say X, right. Would be with huh. that image. But um, is and it about I think that image? must be part of it. I, it may be part of it because I get – I totally get Instagram. I like Instagram. I, I don't use it nearly as much now that they started screwing around with the timeline Facebook style. Mm. Like when it was reverse chronological like right, Twitter. Like Twitter I, yeah. I loved it because I could just get on there and see right. what people I follow had, had posted. And now it's like I get on there and stuff from two weeks ago mixed up with stuff that's this two really hours ago. Like the garbage. Total we're, garbage. We're listening yeah. to ancient people talk about – this is really cringy. Uh, um, but but I like it, especially in the days when camera phones weren't as good and you could apply these filters. And, mm-hmm. and there are people like, you know, of course, there are people posting like, you know, the, you know filters or just make it garbage and everything. But I think people understand like you can actually make a photo more – a better representation of how you felt sometimes by a, right. by by editing it a little bit, right? And that's – so it depends on what you're trying to say. And I totally yeah. get that. And I, so I get Instagram. Maybe I don't get it in the way – I think people use it differently. Um and so maybe I don't get all the ways they use it. Whereas Snapchat is not – it seems to me a different – the images are being used to communicate in a different way than look at my photo, right? It's – I don't know what it's doing. <laughs> because yeah, I don't either. I, mean, I haven't I think had that's that experience because I, I don't have I can't a, get the yeah. semantics. I don't understand it at, at the level of – as a communicative medium, I don't get it. Yeah. So is this is this kind of a blag? What's, what's the podcast equivalent? Mm-hmm. Is it a is it a – I don't necessarily want to get a a plague. I don't, you don't, (laughs) I don't want someone to come teach me how to use it or tell me, but you know, Hey, if a listener wants to send us an email about this amazing thing about Snapchat, that if we only got it, it would be like you saying to me, you should go subscribe to one of those music services so that you, because you'd really enjoy it. Right. Yeah. If there's some there, there, I certainly welcome hearing what it is. I, I, there definitely is a there there, right? But it is well, a – there has like, to be because like you're all these people are using it and they're mm-hmm. having fun with it. So your point is about like um, – well, my point is more about a semantic community and your point is more about semantic medium, right? In other words, the, the like what you're not getting is, well, the, way that, is the way that the medium communicates, right? And, and here it's images. Like you say, I'm not and, sure. And the existence of a community indicates that there are plenty of people who do get it and there is something there to get. Because there right. they are having gotten it. Because there they are in having gotten it. Right. And, and I'm saying – and I guess what I'm saying with the, the Twitter example is sometimes you learn by being in a community what mm. the possibilities are. Like, right. em, like emoji. Totally. Like people were using emoji a long time before I was. Equally true of me. Right. And, and suddenly you get it. Right. Once you once – And I have found them more interesting – and there's – that's an – and it's the same – it's actually the same example because it's some, the semantics of pictures. Right. Instead of text. Um, and that's an interesting sort of thing, an interesting hump in my uh, of getting over something in my own recent experience. So it, that's yeah. what's interesting is that you know they you know pictures and emoji, videos, sounds, all these can be ways of conveying. Well, I, I was going to say feelings, but it can be any kind, whatever it is you want to convey to another human being, whatever you want to send from your mind to another human being's mind, and sometimes emoji are uh, maybe a more direct way of transferring those things. Right, that, that you can like what I'm feeling now. I want to I want to explain that to you, and sometimes maybe better than the written word, or at least more concise, is a few emoji which tell that right, right. Or, or a gif or something like that. Which of course that's the proper way to pronounce it. And it's going to move right on. <laughs> what's interesting is like whether these new forms of communication unlock 
different kinds of emotions. Like, are people not just saying things more directly that they that we have said but in other ways for a long things. time, but that saying different kinds of things? Say. Right. Like, like, you know, the, the norms of privacy are are maybe different. Uh, the 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 kinds of things which are considered interesting. Like, certainly, I think people on Twitter are saying things to one another, communicating things that they would never have communicated before. Hmm. And people are not, like, you realize, oh, someone else thinks of that the same way. Maybe because there's more communication, but also is it changing what we feel and what we think? That's, hmm, these are harder questions, I think. And you would certainly, in the direction of text, you would say, I mean, it seems, uh, seems perfectly evident that uh, a person who, ha- who man, maybe it's the difference between la- spoken language and not, but certainly in text, the ability to convey things is improved dramatically by being able to write out words <laughs> in some fashion, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, to be able to convey things to people um, and in different ways. And so why wouldn't that be true in this other medium of expression? And the char- you would expect it would be yeah true. the character constraint too the 140 characters is a way of like you know it like any other kind of constraint on communication is a you know obviously is a constraint by definition but also unlocks different modes of communication in the same way maybe that Snapchat does however the hell people communicate over Snapchat right <laughs> uh, but the 140 <laughs> characters means I can scan a lot of thoughts at once and people communicate differently because of it. And it's interesting how that shapes that semantic community, right? Do people think different things because they are in a community that communicates in different ways? Mm. I'm not sure this is anything profound. I mean, people have written about these. I mean, you know, right. These, right. we're just kind of going through our thoughts now about exactly. this. Right? Yeah. Maybe maybe this is enough of this. Okay. I don't know. What do you think? Sure. What else do we want to talk about today? This is just a um, – I feel like we need to record some pre-roll. We'll do that. Okay. Just to Let, warn people. Let's do that right now. I feel like they need a warning. This is the college dorm room bull session episode. <laughs> <I think, laughs> we've already done that, I feel like. I think like we did? When did we do that? I don't know. We did that. Didn't we have – we had an episode called Drunk in a Dorm Room, I think, with Sonia West one time. Seriously? We did. I don't remember that. I think it was a – yeah, I think it was more – Well, think, that was years ago and yeah. who cares? <laughs> We're having another one. Um, I'm going to the beach next week. Nice. Have fun. With family. Hmm? With family. Have fun. We're going on hiatus. By, by the time people are listening to this, I think I'll be at the beach. Wow. I've, right. I've had no vacation this year, really. You, you got to release this today then, right? Nah, I mean, the last one just came out. I might put it on a delay. The danger about putting things on delay, especially a goofy episode like this one. Is because the world could Is there could be some Saturday. catastrophe and it could seem in bad taste. Right. So what do I do with that? Please, no one destroy all of music because <laughs> then it will seem like we're in bad taste. Or anybody that you dissed. I mean, I think you dissed a lot of people today. What? I did not. I, I dissed... think you dissed Marco. That was one person. Only partially. And you partially dissed even the great Merlin Mann? Not true at all. Merlin Mann is a national treasure. You certainly dissed me. Whatever. That's, that's every show. Whatever. That's every show. Um. Oh. <laughs> So, so now I feel like I got to get this thing out in case anybody that you dissed, any harm <laughs> befalls them. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it's out there forever. So, you know, you could. Uh, you know, what's going on in the law world? Should we talk about should we talk anybody about law this week? I'm going to reject the premise. I didn't diss anybody. <laughs> I talked about my own preferences. That is not a diss of them. They're great. Uh, but I, you, no one person is going to like every other thing. 
So fie on you and your stupid standard of saying I have to like everything. I didn't, I, don't. Say, I didn't say I don't like everything. And I get to – I get in a conversation where we're talking about things we like and don't like, I get to describe something I don't like. What kind of podcast would this be <clears throat> if if we kind of just hit the explicit box on every episode and we threw caution to the wind and we just started dissing people? Oh, man. Just tearing it, tearing it up. Oof. Would people want that, you think? No. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> there, there would be definitely be more cussing. Oh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Um, what, but no, people don't want that or need that. That's 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 not very edifying or interesting. We call it the burning bridges. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Let me tell you what I really think about this opinion, about this podcast, about this about this person. So, I don't, but I don't think that way normally. I mean, I don't. I mean, I I, I think this show. It's not. I, I don't beat around the bush on this show. I mean, no, I, and we're also, we're talking about things that we find interesting. That's what we like to talk about. And, yeah. And, and the stuff that is whatever isn't usually very interesting. And actually kind of what I had thought we would talk about today. Oh, you want to start the show? Yeah. Let's say, <laughs> yeah. Cut, cut well, all this other stuff out. Well, I mean, so one experience I've had lately is wanting to sign out of Facebook forever. Mm. And, and, and it's not because um, Zuckerberg apparently has taken a new liking to vacationing in Iowa and apparently has found God. Mm. You, did you see that today? No. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, you know, God save us, whatever that means. Uh, uh, no, it's, it's because I have, you know, I'm, a lot of my career has been devoted to the idea that people of all stripes can kind of come together. We can talk. Like, you know, whatever else this experiment is in democracy and self-governance, it right. is people talking about issues, right? You are, to your core, a humanist. Mm. And I thought you are a human, definitely. A humanist and an enlightenment believer. Not in all, not in every jot and tittle of Scottish 17th century or 18th century philosophy, whatever, right? But you are very much a child of and a believer in the Enlightenment project and a, a humanist, again, to your core. I a will agree. With, in people. I will agree with the child part. Um, <laughs> and so having yeah. said that, why does, why is, uh, how is it that Facebook has for you become a humanist repellent? Yeah, no, it's, it's that. Um, Which I thought was what I was about to hear you say. It's the mismatch between like my naive hopes for my career and some things that I see, mm. right? And some things that I see are the most like, and it's not surprising. We are all captive to our, to come back to uh, an earlier discussion to our, uh, the, the doctrines we don't know that we adhere to, to the ideologies that we don't see because they're like water and we're like fish. Right. And right. so like, you know, I am, I am biased and I, and I committed to the idea, you know, I, I, I think it's that, you know, the hardest thing for a human to do is to recognize bias in, in him or herself. And, and part of that is recognizing, um, uh, you know, as we've, I think we mentioned this before on the show, like what kinds of things do I demand evidence for and what kinds of things do I just go along with? Like if right. you can recognize that moment of skepticism, like where are you skeptical? And it's that, it's that, that knife edge of skepticism, right, where, where you can start to recognize your own biases. It's like where you 
you think, huh, probably, and you feel yourself going along with it, but you have just that little edge of skepticism. You're, that's where you're seeing it, like it's revealed, where normally you don't. Right. Right? Um, or maybe even to go even further in that direction, you say, ah, there are these things that I, like some information or some stuff I encounter makes me feel good. Right. Is pleasing. And it's, ah, that's the stuff I need to stop and ask for the evidence because I'm normally not doing it. Right. That, right. And other people have said too that like you, it's when you recognize an emotional response. Like, you, you know, if you can turn the, if you can turn the spotlight onto your own mind and recognize that you're having an emotional response to something you're reading, like that's a, a warning sign in a way. Or, or an opportunity. Well, of course. It's not a warning, but a saying, hey, here's something you could interrogate and learn a little bit more about yourself and about what you think and why that could be really interesting. So, and here's, you know, and, and, you know, in these days I try more and more to recognize that bias, but, you know, I have concluded and like, there's almost like it's, uh, there are no, there are no interesting and hot takes these days. Everything is so obvious, right? And like, that's a warning sign to me in a way. Like, you know, why does everything seem so up? You should be like, but you know, the president is a cartoon comic book villain, (laughs) right? Who is, is basically, you know, I've never met anybody in my personal life. Who would not make a better president, right? I mean, I just, I just don't know anybody, <laughs> including children, including children, because, you know, they, they have some self So this is, you know, it, we are in uncharted territory here, right? And to their credit, many people with whom I have substantial disagreements, right, about healthcare policy, immigration policy, about uh, the way to read constitutions, about the way to read statutes, they are like, you know, I'm not going to follow this dude <laughs> where he's going, right? Because this is crazy town, right? And, and so a lot of conservatives, right, are, are in the never Trump camp or, you know, and to, vary, uh, to varying degrees, to varying degrees. And sometimes it's disappointing. There are some, though, who are pro-Trump, either because they are pro-Gorsuch or whatever else. And so coming to terms with this, right, that like there are some takes out there that I'm in. And on Facebook, I've always tried to engage uh, in a positive way. Right. And not give up on rational dialogue. Recognizing like I can be wrong about stuff. I'm just a goofy, you know, I happen to be a law prof, but I'm a goofy law prof. I have ideas are often wrong. I'm happy to talk, I'm, but I'm not going to pretend that I don't believe something. Right. right? I'm not going to pretend I don't think something. Right. But I'm just going to say what I think. But there are so, you know, in this, <laughs> in this current climate, there are views out there which are so around the bend crazy that it's like, how do you even like, how do you even start to have a conversation about this? Where it used to be, you know, having a conversation about the Bush tax cuts, like I could, we could talk about like growing the pie versus dividing the pie and how these tax cuts may actually be negative for them. We can kind of, and right. we can cite these papers and you can cite the Laffer right. curve and we can talk about papers about the Laffer curve and we can, you know, go around, we can all go around. And where and are we it. on it? And, blah, 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 and blah, 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 right. right. Or if it's even a thing or right. Whether Which Laffer just should be, very conventional. Whether Laffer should be spelled L-A-U-G-H-E-R, <laughs> right? So, but, like, well, right. but we can, we can debate about this, right? And those are all very conventional debates of, within the conventional field of debate. Right. But, That's normal stuff. Yeah. But even when it's very passionate and very impassioned and very passionate, it's very normal. But I don't debate about fascism. I just no. call it out. Right. right. And but there are some takes which are like, you know, they're, they're based on this, you know, they have their gen- like if you dig down fast uh, far enough, you'll find they're based on this Clinton cash garbage that came out a long time ago and which has some elements of truth. But it's like like 
to unwind all of this stuff and come to a common basis of fact and reason would take so much time and effort. Right. And even then, like, it's always true. It's, it's just always true that if you say actor, you know, actor one has done bad thing A, right? You, someone else will always be able to point to actor two and say, well, they did bad thing B. Therefore, actor one, actor two are the same. Right. Without thinking about about like, you know, the fact that we're only talking about actor one right now. Right. And A and B are different things. And A is a much, much, much worse thing. Let's suppose that A is something like collude the, with a foreign government to uh, to disrupt an election. And the weird tell in the conversation is that the other person's sentence started with the well comma like that. It, <laughs> that's actually where it goes wrong. Right. I didn't I didn't reference A's thing of one. So that you would volley back with an a bees thing too. Let me let me give you an example. Can I give you an example? And and this is this is um this is a comment that I saw. I won't say from whom or whatever. It doesn't matter. And and let me just say, all of my friends on Facebook, they're intelligent people. I would you know I would sacrifice for these people. Uh, um, I love them. Uh, and and we're in a tough time when people's you know ability to reason, including mine, are under great stress. So, but this is about the healthcare debate. Okay. Okay. On, on the, on the healthcare debate, um, boy, there are a lot of, there's a lot of nonsense out there. Right. And, and the, you know, the, the Republican bills in the Senate made very, very little sense, right? There are problems with Obamacare. We all know what they are. I mean, and there are some things that might help, uh, to, to solve some of these problems. And, and I might solve the problem in a different way. But none of the Republican solutions were actual solutions. Most of them would make, would make the problem worse, right? Yeah. So – It certainly didn't seem to address any of the things that they themselves said were the problems. So if you just take somebody who's like anti-Obamacare and just will, you know, use one-liners, talk about Obamacare is blah, blah, blah. Obamacare is anti-freedom, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever. And you ask like, well, what do you want to happen? Like, like, do you think there's a problem? Is there a problem with people suffering? You know, do, are you right. concerned about medical bankruptcies? Like if you want to solve those problems, how would you do it? Right. And that's how you start to have a conversation. Like, let's agree on what we think of as general problems. And or let's, find out. And, and, and like, yeah. find out is there, a, is there a territory where we're talking about problems that we both perceive to be problems? Yeah. So someone on Facebook asked someone else, like, you know, well, what would you do? Like, you know, you, you say you're against Obamacare. What would you do? And this person said, I would use a free market approach, require parents to provide health insurance for their kids or have them taken away. Same as if you don't feed them. Untie insurance from employment, let insurance companies sell across state lines, allow people to buy different kinds of insurance plans. But your your question will be, okay, fine, but if someone shows up in the ER without insurance, can't pay and won't be able to pay, who picks up the tab? I suppose we could say nobody, drop dead. The advantage would be that people would get off their lazy butts and get insurance. But I think you're correct that wealthy and civilized society won't allow that to happen as a matter of law. So then, Make them work off their debt to the state in a way so unpleasant that it would encourage people to get insurance. Some kind of conscription? I really don't know. But then I don't think single payer works either because I don't think we can take in enough taxes uh, to pay for everyone's diabetes medicine, ADHD medicine, gender reassignment, plus the heart attacks, cancer, and everything else. Um, and that's basically the end of it. Like, so my problem is like, where do you even start? Yeah. Like it's a fundamental misunderstanding of economics. It's a fundal, fundamental misunderstanding of what would happen under these situations. It's like you, in addition, just values. Like you know, you think of like yeah. Christmas story. Like where are the are there no workhouses? <laughs> right? So, are there so no prisons? 
I, I it's funny because I have I have a similar response, and I and I I have lately been in my own mind describing it as a there's a great fracturing. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least uh, that's how it feels to me. Uh, is a great fracturing, and it and the reason why that word is a word that captures it for me, captures the feeling for me, is because it is about possibility conditions, right? There, are con- the the um, the very conditions of possibility of having a conversation are themselves being called into question. Yeah, like I don't. If if you think we live on a planet where the following things are true, right? The sky is orange, not blue. Uh, things fall up when you let go of them, not down. Da 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 da. Well, then it's very it's going to be hard, maybe even impossible, for us to have a conversation where we understand each other and where we're advancing our mutual understanding of a thing we both recognize and con- and, and consider, right? right. Um, and I feel more and more like that's a big part of what's happening in our pub, in our shared life is that we're, we're being confronted all the time with things that deny the conditions of possibility. Like, I, yeah, we can't yeah. actually have a conversation because we're not on the same planet. And, and the problem is you can't get there because Preci- can, that's exactly yeah, right. right. It, 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 the very, the conditions that make it possible for us to engage at a very deep, deep level are not present. And that is deeply bizarre. I find it, I speak for my own feelings, I find it deeply unsettling and bizarre. And it's the not frequency as, right. with which I'm having this experience. And, and it's not as though, and here's, here's what I think is problematic. Like there may be questions as to which the differences are, are deep and unbridgeable. Maybe abortion is like this. Maybe, Maybe the abortion issue is. And all you can do is agree to disagree and to let like political process des- decide a winner. And you're just never – there's sure. not going to be dialogue which is going to bring people from one side or the other or you know, a kind of O'Connor-Kennedy-style compromise right. like in Casey, right? Which and is, so you would focus your effort on making sure that the mechanisms of politics are in, in good tune and good working order so that as people's preferences change, politics can pick up on the change. Can change and – and can do it in a way where people think, you know, just aggregating preferences. At that it's, point. it's legitimate and losing on this issue is better than civil war. So I will go along with it, you know, right. that kind of thing. But on this issue, it's like if you took any of those suggestions seriously, it would be a, a total freaking disaster. Right. I mean, it's like under any analysis, like, you know, setting up workhouses for people like to pay off these debts. I mean, but also the very premise, right, about like, well, the problem is people are lazy and aren't buying insurance and not recognizing like the price of insurance for some classes of people in an unregulated market would be like totally unaffordable. Right. And not to mention that um, uh, that uh, the minute that you know, if you got more people off of their lazy butts, as as the writer said, right, right. is the minute that unemployment drops below a certain amount, right, the Fed will tighten <laughs> the monetary policy, right, to in order to try to uh, um, basically raise unemployment to reduce uh, to re- to reduce uh, inflation, right? I mean, yeah. so there, there's kind of a um, you, you know, an, <laughs> it's a you know can't win situation where you know economic preferences dictate a certain level of unemployment. In order to keep down wages, and that is tied to, you know, and but there's this conflicting idea among these folks that 
The problem is that everybody needs to be working and then I, I can't even, that's just a small piece of the problem here, right? There's a, there's a bit about values, right? But, but even if we set aside the values debate, right? Um, the fact <coughs> of the matter is, right, that if you want a system that doesn't create that many more medical bankruptcies and deaths than the one that we have, right? The most conservative possible solution that you can think of is probably Obamacare or something like it. And to try to say, I want a more conservative Obamacare that doesn't change these numbers too drastically is like fighting against gravity. There's just like, and that's what we've seen, right? That, that the anti-Obamacare stuff, like you can't engage it. You can't engage it because it's been nothing but nonsense for seven years. There's been no plan. There, there have been some, and actually, the, you know, the Weeds and, and Vox has an explainer on right. some of these. There have been some. There may be one that was kind of, you know, at least tried to do something. Almost all of them create more, more uninsured and, and higher premiums for the sick, et cetera. Right. And, but, but to lie about that, like, and, and to sit, basically oppose this program with no alternative solution and, and then say, well, what I actually prefer is A, B, C, and D, and A, B, C, and D are all nonsense and are only and – are, are, and are unclearly connected to any values that you could – so we can't even figure out whether you've got a values debate because every time you point to a value, they wiggle out by pointing to some mechanism. You notice I use the word they there. I, you know, I apologize for that. I mean I don't want to think of it as an us versus them. Right. Um, but that's what that's what Facebook is pushing me more and more toward these and, days. And it's it can be a little maddening too when in the context of some of these very fractured and fracturing conversations that you, there's there's a part of one's brain. I've had this experience. There's a part of one's brain where you feel like. So if I at, to use this healthcare example as a as a continuing example, so. Are you not getting insurance through your workplace mm-hmm. and saving up money in a special account because of your belief about how to handle health expenses and markets and catastrophic event coverage? Um, you know, if I looked for the evidence in your own life that you believe the things you just said, would I come up full or empty? Right. My guess is much closer to empty. That is another layer of maddeningness. Yeah. Ness. That's the other thing. I, you know, I also related to that. I was, th- I was thinking this week back to, um, well, to, to, a, to a paper that I teach in legal theory that you and I have talked about, about coercion. No point in talking about it right now, but, um, that, uh, but it's related to this. So if, if people, they're, is they're, it a hail paper. Yeah, the hail yeah. paper. But if, if people are, um, there, there are these two kind of conflicting ideas out there. One is that the class of makers rather than takers, like these are people who maybe are, are naturally more talented or more ambitious or what have you. And, um, that there is a class of people out there like that. Right, it's not all luck. Right, it's about hard work. This is the American dream idea. You can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. So people have amassed wealth. These people have risen by virtue of talent and ambition. Right, there's that's one idea out there. The other idea out there is that um, we need to make sure that the job creators are uh, able to keep what they earn. 
right? Um, in order to encourage them, incentivize them to do this, and they deserve this. Where actually, if you do think that there is a class out there that are naturally talented and ambitious, and these people will work hard, you should confiscate all their wealth because they'll just generate it again, right? If you believe in the declining marginal utility of dollars, <laughs> right? It's waste. It's, you know, <clears throat> and so that's just a way of saying that I think implicit in some of these beliefs about, you know, this, this uh, antipathy toward redistribution is this basic incoherence, right, about what we're trying to do. Right? Are we? Are we actually? Do we think that that by, somehow by letting job creators keep more of their wealth, we're going to create more jobs because they're the only people that can do it? Right? And we don't want to demoralize them too much. Well, you're not going to demoralize them too much if you have a one-time confiscation. You're just going to make them go out and generate all this stuff again. I mean, at least we could study that, but who's going to study that? Because no one believes in confiscation. Right. Uh, there, so these like that's another place. Like we're just. I feel like you can't make progress because of the the easy slippage between a values debate and a pragmatics debate you know what i mean like if you pin someone down on values the debate turns to pragmatics and mm-hmm. if you and if you start to debate pragmatics it it's either lost in empirics or there's a return to kind of a subtle values debate and sure. and then there's also this um i, I remember uh when I was I feel like the 2012 presidential campaign was very much about the conversation you were just sort of laying out. I mean, literally, it yeah. seems were about the, all that stuff. And and I bring that up simply because it's it suggests that it is um, th- that that there there are some terrains in which or contexts in which pe- people are have people are not having conversations where they wrestle with information and how to process it in order to get to an, a better answer, a higher quality right. answer. They're just trading stories. Scripts. Or or, the or, or theory, just showing language. stories. They're not even yeah. trading them. They're just saying this is this is the this is sort of um this is the sigil of my house. And here it is. Yeah. Right. Like you, um, you, you're, you're I'm, repping, you're repping political yeah, beliefs. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, we all do this. I, do I this. represent yeah. house makers, not takers. Yeah. And, th- and so all I can do is hold up this sign. Yeah. It's not, you, there's no coherence behind it because that's not what it's for. It, it, it feels like the struggle of the struggle I feel as an adult is trying not to do this. It's trying to recognize when I'm doing nothing but repping and repeating and running a script mm-hmm. and trying to kill that. Right. I mean, I, I, that's my goal. <laughs> My, my goal is to think anew about problems as they arise instead of relying lazily on, on scripts and, and kind of repping or carrying sigils, as you say. I mean, that does seem like, like the struggle here. Yeah, and, you, and, and part of why I think it is a struggle, um, and, and I would include all of us, you, me, all of us, um, is that for, for a healthy percentage of the time, that's not what most people are after. Mostly, yeah. to to try to stop doing it, break it down, and have a real conversation that that gets you to better knowledge and information yeah. and action. And I, I don't want to go into all the cultural cognition stuff. There's a lot of writing about this. There's some stuff on um, one of the very first pieces on Vox. I think was 
um, concern this. Um, but uh, anyway, th- there's lots of, you know, about how people process information, about how we, and, and there's this like perverse thing that like the, the more you know about politics, the, the more likely you are to make these kinds of mistakes. It's really concerning. And there's lots of stuff. We will have a show about this again. I don't know if we've done one already with somebody who knows about this stuff, but we will again. Um, but, but I remember when I was in, um, early in my math training, I took a, um, discrete math class. And one of the things that the prof emphasized was, uh, was in not assuming that because there were two options, there was a 50, 50 chance of either. Right. And, and of course, like you're, that's obvious, right? Just because there are two things that could happen doesn't mean that they're, they're equally likely, but it's amazing how often this basic impulse to see two things and assess them as being equally likely pops up. Mm. Right. And the example he would always use is like, well, you either get hit by a meteor or you won't. <laughs> I know we've talked about this. <laughs> I know we've talked about this on the show before because we talked about the um, the Monty Hall problem, right? This is the right, one where they right. have three doors, and, and and in fact, you should always switch, right? This yeah. is the one. We, all right, we talked about it before. Let me just set up really quickly. You know, there there are three doors. Three prizes are hidden behind those doors. Um, uh, two of them have garbage prizes, and one has the good prize. And you get to choose a door. Um, after you've chosen a door, Monty Hall will always open another door. Right, and, it will, and the one that he opens will always be the, a garbage prize. And so now you don't know if the one you've selected has the good prize or if the remaining unopened door has the uh, – the, 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 the one you did not select has the good prize. And, right. and a lot of people just intuitively say, well, whether you switch or not, it's 50-50 whether you have the prize. Or you don't. And the actual answer is, of course, you should always switch, right? Because um, by, by committing to switching, you essentially choose two doors because you know he's always going to open the door where the, where the good prize is not, Right. So there, ex ante, there was only a one-third chance that you'd chosen correctly. There's a two-third chance that you chose incorrectly. And by switching, you basically take advantage of that two-thirds chance. And we talked about this on a, on a prior show. That's just right. one example where your intuition that if there are two options, they're equal. And I just think right. this pervades a and lot. And it's very hard to shake in the Monty Hall problem what makes that a problem. Right? Right. The reason why it's endlessly discussed is because it's very hard to shake the feeling that you shouldn't switch. Right. Um, and, and yet it's very demonstrably correct to say you should. Right. Just using percentages, right? And right. probabilities. So the, the disconnect between your gut telling you to do something and probabilistic calculations telling you, eh, actually, the other thing is exactly what you should do. And it's not exactly the same phenomenon, but this idea that we give uh, equal weight is, is, I think, somewhat related uh, so if so, suppose we knew that one candidate had, despite supposedly being for the people, had made a few hundred thousand dollars giving a talk to Goldman Sachs, right? And say, so, oh, hypocrite, right? And the other candidate had done all kinds of horrible things, right? Demonstrably horrible things, uh, including you know fraud, um, uh, constant lying. And possible collusion with foreign agents, right? right. And you say, well, they're and, both they're and, both corrupt. And, they're both corrupt. And sexual assault, or at least enjoying talking about them. Yeah. Together. All right, but you know, uh, so this this idea that anything that you raise on in column B, whether it's the sexual assault or something else, can be combated with anything in column A, right. makes those things sound equal, right? right? And but her emails. That's even not even that's not even <laughs> going to like getting people to distinguish between ordinary politics and ordinary, you know, what anybody in that position would likely do, even if we would hope for better. And even if we should insist on better, right? For example, you know, during the Clinton years, you know, the Lewinsky scandal was basically garbage. I think, I mean, it was almost all nonsense, but, um, 
norms changed, right? Uh, and, yeah. and it was also the Clarence Thomas hearings and the, the 90s were all about kind of the, a, a serious and substantial change in what people started to demand in the workplace in terms of equal treatment mm-hmm. and in terms of sexual relationships and the idea right. of power, right? So um, uh, so it's not that, you know, we should just expect that our leaders are going to cash in on high-priced talks to fancy people. Maybe maybe we don't want those things to happen anymore, sure. right? But you got to be able to distinguish Right. You got to be able to distinguish that just like in the 90s, you have to be able to distinguish lying about a sexual relationship from something like Watergate. Right. Right. Something which goes to the heart of the republic. Now, whether you tolerate one or the other, that's a different thing. Like maybe we shouldn't tolerate. And unlike your math teacher's example of, you know, you know, maybe you'll get hit by a meteorite or meteor. Maybe you won't. Right. There aren't uh, if there were political parties organized around getting hit by the meteor or not. Mm-hmm. People would think of it as fifty-fifty. Yeah, they're just it would, two different Stop serving as an example of that he was using because it wouldn't feel that way anymore. Right, right. Yeah, that's one that people have a very intuitive sense that one is more likely than the other. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Just like, well, the sun is either going to rise or it's not, and there are some mechanisms by which the sun will not rise tomorrow. Right, there are those. Yeah, they're just very unlikely. They're very, very unlikely. Um. Yeah. I don't know where else to. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts, but like this is something we need. So we, all of this was the, to, the thing, the thread on which you pulled that made all this go bleep, out on the table was about wanting to leave Facebook. Yeah, because it's been getting you. It, it's been putting you in a funk. Yeah, no, I, look, this is not about me. I mean, it's just. But I, I'm, I'm just, just trying I'm to just, understand what, what the. Right. Th- what I mean, the this is a show where we talk is. about what we're thinking about, and so I, this has been weighing on me a lot because, um, and, and you know there. A lot of people, you know, and I, I have post, I post political posts. I do post some other kinds sure. of things, and and so this is on me. Maybe I shouldn't post any of this kind of, but I see other people's stuff too, yeah. right? And but I had it conflicts with this great hope I had that just by saying, you know, here's what's on my mind. What's on your mind? And we we'll, may agree to disagree, and we can, you know, right. whatever. Like that happens, but this feels different to me. That, that's my point. Like I, I, I will scroll through and it's just depressing mm. because you'll see stuff and you're like, well, this is ordinarily where maybe I would post a comment and say, well, how about this? Or how about that? Or I don't see it that way. And maybe even a little snarky and a little snark is fine among friends where people understand that it's, you know, yeah. it's in good, there's goodwill and, uh, whatever. And, um, but it's like, where do I even start? Like there is no, uh, um, and it's not as though like this is a basic value disagreement. Like, uh, and, and so because because if it were just that, I could still post and say, you know, I just don't see it that way, or you know, yeah. we could agree to disagree. But this is like this is crazy town, and to and to help to 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 get back to the point where this is not crazy town. Like, I'm just I just am pessimistic I'll ever get there, and that feeling of pessimism is what's mm. new because I've always been kind of optimistic, right? That we can bridge differences. Uh, maybe bridge is the wrong word. At least understand. Like maybe we can at least wave at each other, at each other from opposite shores. But right. uh, but this feels different and feels more pessimistic to me. That's and that is what's making me think. You know, is this if I'm wrong about the possibility of of dialogue to at least elucidate differences enough where we can get to a kind of a legitimate point of disagreement? Like if I'm wrong about that, then what am I doing? And I, you know, it makes me question things at a, at a slightly more existential level. And I don't, 
like it. Like I'd rather be with my music. Right. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather think about life. I'd rather be writing something. I'd rather be, um, or, or just out organizing. Like if, look, if this is a fight between, you know, um, uh, uh, basically national suicide and, and a bright, brighter future for, you know, my kids, their grandkids and other people's kids, then, you know, I should be doing something else. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe that sounds, I, I'm, more pessimistic than I want to sound right now, maybe, right. but I don't know. Well, a few things. One is that it, the, the conversation, um, the, the genuine dialogue is something that all the people participating in it genuinely have to want. I mean, it's a thing people can want or not every bit as much as other things they could want or not. And, and the, and, and interestingly, um, making a clicky clack sound on your keyboard, <laughs> which you might take to be strong evidence that a person wants to be in genuine dialogue. Right. Turns out it isn't at all. Yeah. But again, uh, and, yeah. and, and so that, um, now having said that, uh, the, the, the fact that there are a lot of people who don't, who don't want to be at any given moment, um, in dialogue, uh, okay. But, but there are other people who do want to be. And so, um, to focus one's dialogic efforts with those who want to genuinely engage in it uh, is is rewarding um, because it, you you get to engage in the genuine dialogue and that is I I find it rewarding um, and so we're just I, I feel like lately there's a bigger share of sifting through to get to those folks right there's a lot yeah. more sound and fury being generated by people who are there to generate noise and not engage in dialogue. Yeah. Um, that, so that's a hassle. And, and the, and you don't want to be one of those people either. No. Like, um, which is part of the problem here where I think everything is so obvious right. now that there's like, it's, it's so easy to slip into being one of those people. Like there's nothing to debate here. You, right. People are just stupid. Like, which I, is a sign I, which of I don't the same believe. thing. Right. But, but on the other hand, everything really is obvious. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, did you see that Eric Posner had this like um, uh, ten point or I don't know how many points it was. Uh, was um, this blog a, post about leaving Twitter? Yeah, there's so long from Twitter. Yeah, and 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 part of one of those points was that no one's ever had their mind changed uh, by being on Twitter. And there's a presumption he says that the only reason you would be on Twitter is either um, to was it to learn things or to influence people. And um, and, and I just the the, the um, I actually like his writing and I've learned a lot from him. I, I just, it doesn't mirror my own experience with using Twitter. Um, you know, I, part of it is just in real time working things out in a community, just saying what you think and, and not with any pre-directed goal to influence anybody. Right. But like, let's, you know, kind of like you and I do on this show a little bit, you know, it's not about narcissism. It's not about, you know, trying to win. It's, it's not, uh, or, or necessarily even thinking, ex ante that I will definitely learn units A, B, and C today. It, it's more, let's explore because, you know, whatever your theory of life, you know, a lot of it is, a lot of it is the joy along the way. Yeah. Right. And, um, and, and my mind has been changed by things I've read on Twitter and on totally. Facebook. And oftentimes like the, the deepest changes, you know, you know, sometimes you can just be shown wrong about stuff and you go and you read something and you learn some other things. Sometimes right. the deepest changes though, at least in my life, is when I have observed really disparate behaviors or attitudes from people that I otherwise respect that don't jibe with mine, like in a way, and and 
I have to go back and I think about those. And over time I realize I was wrong and I change. And I, I can't even describe that process. It's, it's that you've seen something demonstrated that makes you feel ashamed of how you've been, but it's not shame. It's not a deep, sharp shame. It's more of a, of a, of a, it, it's a nucleation point. It's a bit of sand from where, yeah, and it from, nags. exactly. And it nags. And, and then over time, you realize there's a different way of being here and I can get there and that's that's how I want to be. So it's a little bit, you know, it's it's kind of similar to the role model process where, you know, you suddenly realize that someone is a role model and you want to emulate some things about them that you admire and you realize you can get there. But so so too on Twitter, I've read things before, I've read things on Facebook that have stuck with me. You know, you read something and you think, huh, and then maybe a few days later you think about it again and then you can't stop thinking about it and you realize, huh, there's a there's a real lesson here and you may not even think of it cognitively in that way. It just may be that it changes your life in ways that you don't, you know, maybe you wouldn't even be able to point it out if someone asked you like, why do you do these things? Hmm. Um, so I, I just think he's wrong about that. Um, not only in the small way of no one's ever won an argument on Twitter, but in the big way, you know, that no one's life has ever been changed by the, in, the word Twitter. It sounds, um, inconsequential like it it, it almost it, it, it's a word which has that sound to it of of like i said it being inconsequential and yet in those 140 characters or in threads of 140 characters but even in a shorter tweet than 140 characters like i have seen profound things which have changed me now is that worth all the other stuff that goes along with it and sometimes i think yes sometimes i think no right but um that's my great hope for these things like you know i remember thinking naively turns out very naively, like early on. I don't know if I said this on recent shows. I don't know. I, I apologize if I have, and you know, I know we're going long, but let me just say this. Uh, when I was a kid growing up in, in, in South Carolina, um, and there were political debates, I, I just remember being profoundly frustrated because they were about like things that frankly, I thought were really dumb. Like, you know, does someone salute the flag with enough vigor? Basically everything boiled down. All political debates boiled down to that, right? Like this whole, like, do you wear a flag lapel pin? Like that was all that it was about. Like, are you sufficiently patriotic? Kind of odd for South Carolina if you stop and think about it for a second. (laughs) But, um, but there was a lot of that, right? Right. And I think I told the story before about how I read Harper's Magazine and, and, uh, um, and there was this piece edited by Jack Hitt that had the, argument in Texas against Johnson, the yeah. flag burning case. I've, we've talked about this before. I don't remember if we talked about it on the show, but, um, but you know, I gradually started to see that there was this more kind of interesting, sophisticated debate that did represent viewpoints that were different than mine. And then I could learn from, um, and, but also at that time, you know, on TV, national TV, people would come on, they would talk about their political positions and you would want the, the interviewer to follow up, you would want this deeper conversation to happen. It just wouldn't, people would just say sound bites mm. and it would just be left alone. Right. right. And increasingly that got to be some of those sound bites started to get kind of crazy. And I remember thinking the great hope with Twitter is shame, right? That you could go on TV and say something really stupid and a floodgate of criticism would open up on Twitter. It's like you found all of these other people who are now suddenly talking. It was like, it was like the blogosphere on steroids, right? You know, the, there was a brief period before Twitter when there were a lot of blogs that were influential, but then there's Twitter and suddenly, you know, you say something, you're going to hear from people. And I remember thinking that could be that, that shame, which did not occur when the gatekeepers were few and they didn't ask many follow-ups, right? 
could be a powerful like moderating force. Um, and of course, what we've learned in, in recently is that disinformation and the uh, and the the that that actually the proliferation of information can legitimate all these views. Like mm. any view can be legitimated, right? With enough know-how, you know, with with enough bots, with enough. Uh, with with enough Sean Hannity's, you know, um, right. and and eventually the left will have its own issues, right? There will be, yeah. a, you know, the pendulum will swing back. Right now, we're at a point of I think a maximum orthodoxy on the right, where the where the forces in power on the right are are kind of captive to a certain kind of orthodoxy. Facts be damned, right? That pendulum will shift eventually, and there will be a Sean Hannity of the left. There is not now who has any power. I would submit, but there right. will be one day, right? And unless. So there will always history be, suggests it's true. Yeah, there will always be these legitimating forces. So that this is something I was totally wrong about. Um, and so my kind of great hope and optimism about these media, I think, has been smashed a little bit. Mm. I don't know. Is that, was that worth going into? Well, it's on your mind. So it is sure. on my mind. I'm just talking extemporaneously here. Yeah, maybe not well, but it's a challenge that we're. I think thoughtful people are facing when they want to engage with other thoughtful people. And these are the tools of engagement in our social life that are quite prominent right now. And they come with these shortcomings as well. The, the, the signal to noise ratio is, uh, you know, uh, it's, it seems to be falling. And look, I'm not, <laughs> it, it might I'm not claiming be falling, to be, it might even be cratering. I'm not claiming to be thoughtful and certainly not more thoughtful than people who disagree with me. Well, I wasn't, I, I wasn't using that word to try and to I just say what I think. Right. You know, I, and it's but like, I wasn't trying to use the word thoughtful to try to damn anybody else or to yeah. try to make a sharp distinction. I'm just saying this is what, you know, if you want to be socially engaged with the things that, that are on your mind and that you care about, and these are the tools people are using, they have these characteristics that yeah. are, are part of the challenge of using them well and feeling good about your day when you've engaged with them, which is seems hard to do lately. Okay. Totally. I mean, I, I think that's the best that we're going to do uh, in a conversation that is probably otherwise unsatisfactory. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we're going to end it on a good note though. Movie recommendation, Joe, what you got? Nothing in particular. Hmm. I mean, I, I am going to go see Dunkirk, I think, probably. This I've seen weekend. it. Hmm? I've seen it. Oh. If um, you're a Christopher Nolan fan, I think you can't help but I mean, as I am, I think it's great. Boy, second time Christopher Nolan's come up on the podcast today. Yeah, this, which it, just goes to show if you tape long enough, <laughs> everything will come up. Is that yeah, right? And we're going to – and forever after now, the show will be called Nolania and it's because we're going to talk about Nolan things. Ooh. Um. So yeah, that's my movie. We idea. could, do, you, you know, if we were going to do that, we could do it memento style, and we would edit it so that oh. every five minute chunk would be, you know, the inverted. So the last five minutes would be the first, oh. and then you know, boy, that would be a show, wouldn't it? That's so great. <clears throat> what, what would the name of that show be? Inverted. Hmm. hmm. I don't know. I don't know. So nothing else. Debt revenue. That's inverted, spelled backwards. Oh boy. Uh. So that was my movie recommendation. Do you have a movie recommendation? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think mine that's... wasn't a recommendation. Mine was an. I, this is what I want to go see. I've what a weird way it. to answer the question. I've actually seen it, so I can recommend it. Okay, so I can re- recommend it. You can it. recommend it, but I, if I'm going to make a recommendation, I have to do something I've seen. And we can't talk about it. I don't want to. 
I mean, it's not like you can spoil a movie like Dunkirk, but you can you what you can do is you can kind of spoil the experience by telling people what to expect, and then then when they watch it, they won't be able to disconnect it from their expectations about because there's a very specific way that the story is told and yeah, what I think I, are some see, of the meanings in it. And this is the difference between you and me because I really love and to me they're not spoilers. It's like it's table setting. So I listened to, to week back to earlier. So the Slate Culture Gab Fest had a segment the other day about Dunkirk and. Christopher Nolan's films in general and part of what they were talking about in a different segment of the episode was the the way this movie is structured mm. uh, and I didn't I hadn't heard that about the way the movie was structured I was fascinated to hear them talk about the way the movie was structured I know I'm going to enjoy seeing it in my own mind my unshakable belief is that I will enjoy it more by virtue of having heard that that's interesting than I would have enjoyed it had I not heard that um, and I could be right about that. Of course, I could be wrong about it, of course, but it's how I feel. I went into it with a, uh, and this won't surprise you, a profound ignorance about the historical events. And, and so in a way, like it was like, I didn't, I had no expectations other than that. And I knew that this was, well, this a, is two layers, movie. right? So there's, what I mean, do you I know about the historical about it, but event, but then there's yeah. also, what do you know about the way about the structure and, the movie? And, right. And, and I think the themes, cause I think there's a very definite theme in here but it's interesting to me because people i've talked to have reacted differently to it and then what kind of experience it is and i but i don't want to get into that because okay. maybe not everybody feels the way you do so you're it. recommending it because you really enjoyed it i'm recommending it because it's what i really want to see what we're doing together is we're really recommending it yeah yeah and i would also recommend either before or after depending on your preference for such things uh the slate culture gab fest segment about the movie because hmm. it was fascinating all right. I think we have done enough hours today. Five? Have we been on for five? <laughs> I don't know. We could go on. Uh, we're going to – I think we should stop here okay. and record the pre-roll that the listeners have already we, heard. We did record the pre-roll. No, no, no. I no. said earlier. No, 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 no. no, no. Okay. It, so it, we're going to do new, new pre-roll, which they're going to hear. This is the memento style edit. <laughs> That's right. So we're going to do some pre-roll. Right. Right. We but don't we're know what we're stopping here. Yet. The listeners know more than we do. I'm so floored by that. I'm like, oh, college dorm room. Oh. All right, but we're going to stop. We're going to stop. And then record some pre-roll. Yeah. Let me just say to the people who are still listening at this point. Uh, <laughs> All four of you. Oh, my God. I love you. I love you people. For listening. I, I, really, I really do love our listeners, and yeah. I love the fact that people enjoy the show. I, I know that, that a smaller portion will actually enjoy this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, this is... A, or even hear it. <laughs> they'll know because I have an idea of what I'm going to say in the pre-roll, so they'll know what kind of episode this okay. is. But, uh, um, but thank you. Thank you for your support, and we will be back with the normal style oral argument uh, fairly soon. Uh, it may be, we may take a week or two off here yeah. um, uh, as the semester gets started. Right. Um, lots of great stuff. Uh, uh, legal You're going to, to the talk beach. About. I'm going to a conference. Well, then we come back and classes start. So yeah. some hurly burly. We but got, we'll be back. We got a fresh episode to record for my uh, foundations, my undergraduate class, Joe. Oh, do we need to record? Thing? Thing? Probably so. Probably okay. so. I'm going to talk about that soon. So lots of stuff. All um, right. But um, to all of you law students starting a new semester, uh, best of luck and and enjoy. To you pro- uh, profs who are preparing, uh, I'm right there with you. And uh, to recently minted, well, not minted because they've just taken the bar. Recently examined. Right. And to all of you lawyers, just keep on keeping on. And we will talk to you soon.